Magic Without Fears, Hermetic Podcast. I'm your host, Frater R.C. For more and exclusive episodes, visit magicwithoutfears.com. Thank you for your support. Without Fears, Hermetic Podcast. I'm your host, Frater R.C. For more and exclusive episodes, visit magicwithoutfears.com. Thank you for your support. Is it recording on yours? I, uh, I think so. Hope so. Yeah. Okay. If yeah, not, I can always uh, it is recording. Send you this one. Nice. Yeah. Go up. Well, welcome can and thank that? you. I think we're both on each other's podcast now, so welcome to mine and thank you for having me on yours. This is all your fault. <laughs> How so? You you definitely sort of got me into. A, coming back out of the shadows into the light, you know, with all your shenanigans, streaming online <laughs> rituals in 2015 and, and generally making a public spectacle of yourself and having, as I, when I finally caught up on what you had been up to, I'm like thinking I had been like, you know, out of the scene and safe for a long time, as you, we all know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'm listening to these old episodes with like Jeff Contreras and other people and Joe Shance and everyone keeps mentioning my name all the time saying really nice things about me. <laughs> but like, I was like, oh, so for all these years, I thought I was like, you know, keeping a, my head down and staying out of trouble and shenanigans. But you know, I had it was being outed all the time so, so yeah. such is life and then you know you and I started talking because there was that time in LA of course where we tried to connect but we weren't in the right place to oh and I was drunk at art walk that explains everything well I was with an old sore and we met up because I was there down at the California Gen Con doing a trade show 
Um, right. And then we ran into each other and, you know, I had like, I had lunch in a hotel with Alex back then, you know, I was, I would always hook up with people when I was in town who wanted to like, nice. say hi. Yeah. Yeah. I was That's really sad cool. this past year in California to not be able to follow through on my plans with people like, you know, Catherine and, and, you know, lunch with Ramsey's. He invited me to lunch when I got to right. LA. That was, that, yeah, that sucks. But, you know, things suck so much in the world right now. You can't really feel bad right. about a few things like that. Like, it's like, yeah, oh, the world's ending or something. It seems like it'll probably just be a few more months. There's like uh, three vaccines coming and what they're only going to be able to make 40 million of them a month. So I think by next uh, April or June or something, things should be pretty much back to whatever normal is. Uh, Minus no. Trump. <laughs> they'll, they'll, well, you know, whatever it takes to change our genetics so we can interbreed with the future uh, coming aliens when they surface. Right. I mean, that's the yeah. Main we want alien babies, little alien babies. Yeah, yeah. Hybrids. Yeah, yeah. I, I wrote a sci-fi back in the day, never did anything with it, but there were uh, half gray, half humans living on Venus. Oh, well, of course on but Venus, they, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because uh, it was an alternate dimension where, have you, do you remember King Ralph? No. It was John Candy. And the premise was that oh, everybody yeah. in the British royal family died. And he was the next of kin. Dude, I saw that and, opening uh, so he, in theaters. Yeah. Yeah. When I was a so, kid, so in this alternate dimension, King Henry VIII uh, had a son with Catherine of Aragon. And they lived happily ever after. <laughs> and so that of course created a whole different line so so the person we know as queen elizabeth ii uh was uh ran a ran a hotel in las vegas and so she fell in love with a gray alien because there was no world war ii so there was no nuclear radiation in the air so the roswell aliens just landed and introduced themselves rather than crashing so like all these alternate timeline things Anyway, not wow. important. <laughs> yeah. As one does, right? Yeah. Jeez. Oh, man. So I noticed you were uh, doing like a tour of that, like that you were interviewing people, but staying with, st you, well, I know you were staying in a cabin for a while. I, I wasn't sure if oh, you Oh, that were... was, yeah, quarantine. Because uh, when you come back and when you go to a country, you have to isolate away from all people and, and that sort of thing. Oh, but you were, you weren't there with the, the Thalamite guy? Um, I, I, like like, in... I like how you say that. Um, well, it's, it's Chris Bennett's uh, <laughs> Soma Retreat Center and uh, one of his buddies who I met before is, uh, oh, is, a, is okay. a neophyte in the AA. His, uh, his mentor is out in Ontario, I think. And you know how the AA does it. They have a ment master apprentice sort of. Yeah, way. like the Sith. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there, there's, I can definitely no, I... see uh, strengths to the, the teacher-student model, but I mean, you just, you just know, for me, it's like, you know, you're, you, you learn so much in a classroom working with a wide yeah. range of people. I just, uh, I mean, after, after what Crowley saw happen in the Golden Dawn, I can sort of understand why he was like, Hey, let's try something new or this has worked before yeah. it worked for Trithemius and, and Agrippa and all, you know, the lineage of occultism often it worked. So, you know, more the merrier, why not? Right. Yeah, toward toward the end there in my uh, in for me it was 2013 when I finally left, and uh, yeah, there was a, one student in particular that was new, and he was 
you know, it, it wasn't that he was questioning everything. It's that he was like insulting everything and interrupting everyone and kind of like, like talking down to the other students from the class, you know what I mean? And, and so I kind of lost my temper at the guy and, um, uh, but it, it, it resulted in like, everybody had a crappy class with bad energy, you know, and, and it was like, eh, it was a little bit his fault, but it was kind of my fault. And, uh, you know, and it was just, I, I was like, okay, I'm not really offering anybody anything anymore. It just, you know, it's, it's a lot of anger and resentment. So I had to like get some space from that. I mean, as you can imagine, after 18 years of compulsory Sunday meetings and, you know, like having to. Yeah. 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 I, 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 but, but I, now I, I do a little bit of coaching. I think you mentioned you do some private coaching for people going through the system. And, uh, and so for me, I've been working with a guy, I think, you know, uh, Robbie, he was uh, co-host in the previous episode. Yeah. I love Robbie. And he's starting to delve into some practicus. Uh, so, so I, I, I remembered back in the day that seemed to be a favorite subject of yours. The, uh, the dark night of the soul and the uh, clopothic spheres and how it relates to the seven deadly spiritual sins and how all that ties into the alchemy of the practicus grade. Yeah. So I thought that'd be a good, a good thing to ask you. Cause I thought I, I told Robbie, I think that somewhere deep down in, in Fred or RC, there's a little boy who loves talking about the dark night of the soul. <laughs> Cause yeah. I was remembering like 20 years ago. <laughs> well, well, I remember what was shocking, especially to me in, in going through that watery grade of practicus was, you know, that's when a lot of the alchemy really starts to kick into high gear. Right especially if you're doing yeah. an order like ours where where the kind of a lot of the transformation happens in the outer order because so much materials from the inners put into that curriculum so you do change a lot and that's what i think the outer order grades should be for 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 you can you can up the dosage of self-development and purification as much as you want or you could just have it like it was in crowley's day with the lbrp or his five meditations now learn some hebrew like that was sort right. of it that was all they had when crowley called mm -hmm. the lbrp the quintessence of, of magic it's because that was the only ritual he was doing right <laughs> they didn't have he wasn't doing like even brh or let alone things like the analysis and stuff like that so um when i was in practice i was surprised that it was required reading to read two christian mystical texts from the 16th century right which is right. dark night of the soul by saint john of the cross and then interior castles by St. Teresa of Avila is recommended. And I, I got a lot out of both of them. What was most shocking about the dark night of the soul was how it's not actually about a dark night of the soul. It's about two dark nights that happen in, in two different stages and the comparison between them and what we would call the lesser mysteries and the greater mysteries or the lesser circulation and the greater circulation in alchemical terms um, was really hit home. And it was like, okay, John of the Cross here is really discussing two distinct periods that you can easily see happening in yourself going through those stages of alchemical from process from the white to the red and all of that. And uh, in practice, that's when a lot of that stuff really hit home. Uh, I wrote the sort of the theory of, of what I was seeing in comparison and wanted a methodology to approach working through those energies. So I dived into uh, Kenneth Grant's Night Side of Eden for looking at the tunnels of Set, which is essentially the paths on the tree of life, but in the averse or evil tree. And of course, in practice, mm. you get introduced to infernal habitations and the, you know, some demons and Klepot 
um, or unclean spirits as they're probably better called. And you even get the Olympic planetary spirits to uh, you can that you can scry with if you want to actually really go I hardcore. Think, I think just to interject, I think shells since that's the uh, the actual literal translation of klepot, but that yeah, and then demons is more of a Christianization of a pagan Greek thing. So yeah, I can see how yeah one 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 could opt away from <laughs> that term. But shells is accurate. Um, I think most. Uh, so the Dark Knight of the Senses was yeah, one of them, wasn't it? That's the first one, and that's what I really found was happening in Practicus. But I think for a lot of people, it happens sometime between Practicus and Portal. Um, I definitely think it's a necessary stage in preparation for knowledge and conversation with your Holy Guardian Angel, or for or for the solar initiation that is the five equals six grade when you become Osiris, right, and get reborn yourself in that third degree stage, which is what it is, and. So looking at the seven deadly sins, and I'm revising it now to be about eight deadly sins. So that's something I've been working on for a while because the lecture was wildly popular and wildly long, right? It would take five. Yeah. And <laughs> oh, I loved die. it. Yeah. Everyone loved it. And I, yeah, you know, all over the world. And, and it became uh, the standard, I think, for, you know, people would refer to their notes from that class when they were teaching practicus and, you know, getting into that stuff. Yeah. It's, it's sort of trippy to think about it. Um, yeah, a lot of the quality, I think, came came out in the giving it as lectures over and over and over again, uh, whereas the basic essay was, of course, somewhat parochial and still is that you can get online. And mm. um, what was really interesting was because I wrote the main essay in Practicus, I wasn't actually allowed to do a lot of the referencing of Tunnels of Set or the Clipothic Demons or... or uh, right and stuff so i had to take out a lot of these these names of the demons of the unclean spirits because they were considered not not healthy things to get focus in your sphere of sensation at that time um, yeah so I, I think i first heard it power week 99 yeah so it, you, well and you, i didn't that was when that happened because you know i'm all of a sudden i'm writing all these very uh unique demon names on the board and and a bunch of adept i rushed in to see what this kid was up to they're like what are you doing <laughs> And I'm like, what I'm talking about, the, the you know, the path demon Tantifaxat. And they're just like, oh, my God. And they would, they'd just like, okay, I'd like, you want me to stop? They'd be like, no, keep going. Next thing you know, all the ones that rushed in to see what the hell I was up to were sitting down in the back of the Taking notes <laughs> for hours until they got yanked into rehearsals for some matter or the other, right? Um, so that yeah, was yeah. All very trippy for me to have, you know, to, for something that I had done as a, you know, did as a teenager to be so successful amongst a lot of people who had much more life experience and age and all of everything on me. But it was, it was not just a theoretical exercise. It was something coming out of deep, deep struggles I was having in that grade mm. and in my faith, because in the dark night of the senses, St. John of the Cross makes very clear that God, or as I would see it back then, your higher self removes essentially your ability to sense spirit, your ability to sense your faith. So it's like if faith is something that you have and uh, that can be separated from your experience of, of magic or God, right? So there's the experience of God, but then there's the faith in God. And so in the dark night of the senses, what's removed from you and you're given in place pure aridities, right? Just these, these sort of empty non-sensate experiences driven by faith. You have to keep doing the work because of your faith, even though the, the juicy yumminess and the sulfurous uh, fun and joy of doing meditation and ritual 
very much gets, gets pulled out of you to test and purify your faith. Are you going to keep doing this work? Right. Are you going to keep climbing towards that mountain, even though we've taken all the joy out of it? And a lot of people do fall out and fall away from the work once it gets hard, right? A lot of people are just going on to the next ritual, to the next shiny object. You yeah, know, if, if and it's, boring, it's a lot like when, uh, when a couple gets past the in love stage of a new romance and then the relationship is tested, like, is this really something that's going to last? You know, yeah. it's, a, it's a kind of can a similar move, thing. Can we move from infatuation, infatuation uh, to, right. to true love? To agape, arrows yeah. to agape. Yeah, I, I mean, sometimes you, I think once in a while in life, you encounter someone you just have that true love for right away or very quickly. Right. But a lot of the time, I think it has to be earned um, by yeah. people willing to do the work. Um, yeah. So, and the second stage of the dark night, so that, like, if you look at the dark night of the senses, it's the lesser circulation that occurs in the lesser mysteries. That's where you're purifying your elemental and sensate. Uh, psychic senses or just spiritual senses really super senses that thing those things that make the ritual work so poignant and powerful and full-bodied that goes away and you have to keep doing the work and then it comes back even more but then john of the cross talks about something that i couldn't relate to except through sort of analogy of what i was going through in the dark night of the senses and so in the dark night of the spirit which is the second dark night that's something that is a sort of once in a lifetime experience as he talks about it um, in which God removes your own faith in God. So that's right. the really heavy one. And mm -hmm. I remember talking to, to Martin about these things as we were going through the grade together. Um, and he, he, I remember like it was yesterday, he was up in his room in uh, Temple Tehuti and he said, you know, I think when I hit that years later, I'm just going to probably like check out and like, it's going to be bad. He said, it's going to be really bad. I'm just going to probably sit in a basement and play video games and just drink and do nothing at all. I'm like, I remember thinking that was a really interesting thing to uh, anticipate, but mm. also probably um, not untrue uh, for a lot of people. Right. I mean, back in St. John of the Cross's time, you climb up a mountain with your rosary and just sort of tough it out every day or something like that. Right. But we live in yeah. a different era and what, how we worked through that, that losing, I think it's important for many years, I considered myself highly atheistic. Um, this is just even sort of recently, but not in a sense that I didn't believe in God or that I couldn't feel God, but more in a sense that, no, it is like, in a sense, like you're not, you're not, um, yeah, for me, it manifested in a sense of I didn't know what to look forward to anymore. Like, mm. you know, I felt like, well, I may not have gotten there wherever I thought there should be. I had mm. gotten to a place where I didn't know what else I should get to. And that was right. what was surprising for me um, mm. going through my own dark night of the spirit, which is something I really only started to come out of in the last few years. And that was something that um, you and your podcast and, and encouragement from those people like Joe Shantz, who I really, really love, loved mm -hmm. um, seeing what you guys were doing and that you were still like that you were going through the, the, the destruction of our order that we were trained in with the expulsion of its leader, who is, of course, a, someone who was, I was very close to as well as you. And just all, seeing all that happen finally 
because because I knew when Temple de Hootie, uh fell and that schism between Canada and America happened in 2003-4, I knew that things would, uh, like it wasn't for a, some foolish reason, like I couldn't keep it together. It was it was all out revolting Canada against what was going on in, with Robert in the States and, right. and all of that, like, you know, well i don't even need we've we, you've covered that well yeah. for 100 episodes on your podcast <laughs> yeah i i wonder i wonder if if the point of my podcast got lost somewhere in the middle of it um yeah yeah it, it um it was like what was the point I of mean, your podcast <laughs> no i mean I, I guess the main one was to uh, uh i mean i mean it's changed i guess you know at the time there was t- probably twofold one was uh, so that people who were ex-members of our order that we were in uh, could have a place where they could come on and talk openly about stuff that they thought that they had to hide and keep secret out of fear of some powerful black magic or whatever that they thought that that guy could do to them, you know? Uh, And then the other thing was to let people know what they were getting into um, if they did decide to pursue I mean in particular that group I I don't know the other groups as well I think you've gotten to know them better than I did um so I so I was kind of a one-trick pony like I am a master of this one particular subsect of a reenactment sort of Catholicized golden dawn and then everything else I'm pretty clueless about like these quote Alistair Crowley I'm like what who you know but um well i think i think that's not a bad thing honestly something i've been hearing about like i'm teaching on a whole website now that i've set up uh called hermetic mystery school which is you know not going to officially launch till january 31st but is is solidly into a beta stage with people getting involved and hopefully it'll be more of a sort of a borderline open source but also meant for people who don't have a local temple or an order that they want to work with um, yeah, that's great. People can go join a local temple and go through the grades. It doesn't really take that long to go through the out order or have all the seven initiations. I mean, if something takes three, five, seven years, that's not a huge chunk of time when you consider the skill set you're developing in that time. Um, yeah. Right. And there's a lot of good orders out now where you can just go through that with more or less no bullshit. And, you know, there's always going to be human problems, but that's that's something that's just endemic to all of life. It's not right. special to any group. I mean, now, now yeah. more than ever, we don't need to clarify that fact about human reality um yeah people are, people. People are but they, it's like half the people are uh waking up to it and the other half are really falling for it more than ever seems like yeah well that's that's the dance people are gonna yeah people like to dance um <laughs> So the the seven or eight, what are the eight deadly sins? Oh, the 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 eighth one is inspired by Martin. <laughs> <laughs> Observation of him or something he said. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> um, and honestly, uh, I'm put. I'm I'm working on on putting it. I'm I'm working on filming the whole dark night of of the of the seven deadly sins essentially as a as a major like eight hour video series mm-hmm. so that's nice. and I'll, I'll save what that eighth sin is going to be for 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 the release i gotta have okay there especially since yeah yeah i don't mind uh talking but especially it's more interesting than to just to give away the 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 gilding of the subject we're talking about it's more interesting to actually explore the 
the subject. And one of the things I was thinking about this, because I'm, I'm wrestling with it constantly, how to convey this information and, and convey the same value that you got out of an interactive six or seven hour workshop, right? Because a lot of parts of that kind of learning are done with people interacting and saying, saying things to you, you say things to them, they ask a question, you can, you can narrow it down and then illustrate an exact point. Whereas, you know, on a yeah. video lecture format or in a book you want, it's, it's got to be done differently. So yeah, upgrading, that's a big thing, but um, essentially. Um, I guess you could do that with a live stream. If somebody were there to read to you the good comments or something. The eighth deadly sin has to do with dot. So whereas we have um, the seven deadly sins going from Yasod up to Hod, Netzach, Tiferet, Givra, and Chesed and, and, and Bina, the planets, the eighth mm. has to do with Da'at. And so the sin is very, I'll give you a hint, and the sin has to do with, it's a major sin in life, and you'd almost think that it would be included in the seven um, classical spiritual sins, but it has to do with what is the sin against knowledge. Like if I'm going to impart to you knowledge, what's the greatest sin I could commit while imparting something that's supposed to be knowledge right like probably if, falsification or or a twisting of it yeah and the word itself is a decimation of the name of the goddess so um it's a hmm. it's a it's a, an appropriate word interesting Very but curious. yeah we'll create a little hype because it's going to be good it's definitely going to be one of the best things i've I've done oh, that. that's great. Well, I'm glad I'm glad this can preempt that and give people yeah. a heads up. When when can people expect that one? That that'll be coming in in the early like, you know, new year. Sweet. Yeah. yeah. Right now I'm that. just getting the bones and structure of everything in place. And uh, you know, it's it's been tricky to uh <laughs> apartment hunt during COVID. Uh, <laughs> uh yeah. my sister's doing it as well and a lot of places don't even won't even let you have a viewing because it's COVID and uh, people. We, we got in on the first day that, or the first week that Goa was reopened. Uh, people weren't allowed to drive into Goa from outside the state. And so you, uh, you moved there and just so in time? When we, yeah, well, we got, we moved here as soon as it was open. And, uh, and the, the streets were just empty. There was like one little grocery store that was far away that I could walk to from the place we were staying. But now it's completely full-fledged open. Wow. Um, of course, uh, Americans aren't allowed in, uh, but there's there seem to be other some other countries that are allowed to come and go a little bit. And and there's people there's Americans that kind of well got stuck here, uh, but it, on purpose they had the option to fly back. But it was kind of like, uh, no, it's okay, I'll stay here because <laughs> you know there's uh, a lot fewer cases you know in this part of India than than in you know san francisco or los angeles or something you can fly into into canada from china but not the states <laughs> <laughs> how do you like them apples wow we've yeah. got a, we've got a renewed sort of disdain for america happening right now in canada just sort of because canadians are always looking for any chance to be like oh that's right we are better see here's the proof <laughs> like that really happened with with george bush uh yeah, I remember that. Oh, yeah. That oh, was when wow. I first became aware of that phenomenon. It's one thing I've noticed now, having done another good chunk of time in the States, is like how much that attitude is a result of highly controlling 
highly controlled information like what you what the, the news people here get up get up here is so distorted from what's actually going on on the ground down there and now i can actually right. testify to that and be like yeah it's it's not it's not honest representation and what people hear about canada outside of canada is not an honest representation it's that's, that's yeah the new technocracy brother get your yeah get your, uh, <laughs> your implant yeah and the internet and social media had a lot to a lot of effect on uh like I, I remember it was 2002 when I realized everyone hated America, <laughs> like people on uh, ICQ and on all these different mm. uh, social media things well, talking about Americans and Bush in the same sentence. And I always had to explain like, I wait a minute, I'm not George Bush. Like there's a big difference. You know? <laughs> but at the same time, people would be like chatting with you, I'm sure on like MSN or whatever. And they'd probably be like, oh, you're American? Ew. And you're like, yeah, I live here in LA. And they'd be like, oh, really? I love LA. Uh, yeah. Yeah. People were either enamored with it or, or put off by it. Like you, you, you strong feelings one way or the other. Yeah. It's like, you've never been to LA. You're just saying that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like Hollywood Boulevard. I'm sure you've walked down and like smelled the urine. And over the years, like, you really guys showed me everything. I mean, <coughs> I saw a lot of L.A. over my years. Yeah. Uh, with you guys, and and it was great. It's it's so it's such a counterpoint to how it appears in the movies. It's quite shocking yeah. and, and hilarious. But but you know, fun yeah. Some as of the well. beaches are nice, but. Uh, well, this, we had, yeah, the, we had so many amazing magical experiences at the beaches together. I mean, yeah, on hilltops in the middle of the night, like we would just, you know, Ramses would take us freaking everywhere, right? It's like, it's like, are you done cleaning the temple? It's like, uh, yeah, just another half hour by 2 a.m. I'll be like, good, then we have something to do. <laughs> it's like, of yeah. course we do. <laughs> of course we have somewhere to a two hour drive ahead of us at 2 a.m. for some ritual. On yeah. The that's just the the way oh we did gosh. it. We were very hardcore, and um, that that's something that I I, I think uh, gets lost in all the uh, the history of drama and things like that. You know. Yeah. Well. Yeah. It's like there has to be a good in order. because I mean, who would stay with a group that they were getting nothing out of, or you know, well, yeah. it's like there. It's almost like equal and opposite. Having such a profound otherworldly kind of experience on the one hand kind of made you willing to tolerate the, all the crap on the other side. But then it's interesting looking back because, I mean, I don't know about you or how far it went for you, but when I look at like uh, how Fox News, uh, you know, operates and how they apologize for whoever the GOP, you know, head is at the time. I mean, these days, even Fox is turning against Trump. But like when uh, when Fox is the would be GOP the a Democrat Bush. thing or a Republican? Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's like Republican. Uh, grand GOP. old party is what it and, stands for. Oh, OK. And the the DOP is the Democrats or something like that. And then Fox is like the uh, the apologists. And 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 so it's like part of part of what bugs me about it all is that I used to be Fox and uh, to to Robert's uh, you know, grand old party president, like uh, all the people online had valid points. And I was the one out there that was either saying, oh, yeah, we'll prove it or, oh, you're a liar or well, the last time you accused him of that, it was different, you know, like trying to spin, spin it this way, spin it that way so that there'd be a, a, a kernel of doubt in the uh, minds of potential 
future members and clients that uh, that maybe he's not a piece of shit. And then, so I'd, it's really interesting, like um, to enact it and then observe it in the world and kind of like, okay, like this is what this is what it means to grow up and be forty and uh, and to be penitent, <laughs> to to kind of like. You know, when people say, oh, when I was young, I was I was dumb. I did all these things. And then I grew up like even the great uh, sages of old would say, oh, when I was young, I was a soldier and I was I cared about how I looked and my how I presented myself. And then I grew up and now I live in a cave and, you know, that kind of thing. Not to compare myself to the sages, but <laughs> well, sorry, I went on yeah. for a minute there. <laughs> no, it's, it's all good. The, one of the advantages, yeah. I think, um, you mentioned, like, not knowing about other Golden Dawn orders and stuff like that. Mm. One thing that keeps coming up, people asking about, pardon me, dealing with a bit of the uh, autoimmune diseases are a uh, hoot and a half. Um, anyway, oh, um, eh, meh, you know. <laughs> mm. um, yeah, actually, I've had to, like, readjust how I do sun salutations Uh because I'm not supposed to do anything that uh, puts my stomach in a position different to normal, so that's oh, that's okay. been a fun one. And now that you're a, a yoga, a yogi guru master as well, <laughs> probably be like, like, what do I do instead of downward dog? I just can't do downward dog because I'll it, even no matter what time of the day it is, it could make me like regurgitate. So oh, that's wow. that's that's a weird thing. That's a weird thing, and you know, bodies break down. And if you get you get a couple, of whatever, it's not a big deal. I don't think about that stuff much. It just sort of it plays its part, and I play my part, and we both carry on together, merrily singing a song. But the the thing yeah. that people have been asking me is like, what what do I think of Regardi's book, The Golden Dawn, and blah 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 blah. And that was one of the things that you and I had very much in common in our experience, because you 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 joined at sixteen, I joined at fifteen. A bunch of us actually joined at that mid-teen years, um, including mm. like, uh, including Ka, right? Including Nemo. He was 16 mm. when he joined and, and got, you know, his, his training and, and all of us, um, we didn't, we, we did, we learned very little from books before learning yeah. hands-on. And so yeah. when we I got, got it medieval style, yeah, like well, as if... it's very different how, how like Rigardi presents these things in a, it's all based very much around these initiations and some knowledge lectures and then some techniques. Right. And mm. when you're in an actual order, you're generally going to have a much wider range of techniques and also every variation on those techniques that every single teacher you have thinks is useful. And then you do it yeah. with someone who does it a lot. Like his teachers tend to teach the things they know well, even as they go through a standard curriculum at times, they focus mm. on and add what they have gotten good at. And that's just, that's what takes most of your time is learning things somewhat well that someone else knows really well. And as you all do that together, everyone gets a whole lot better and comes yeah. so many, so many little, doesn't matter how small the ritual or technique is you do after doing it a bunch with, with other people and then on your own, it, it affects you. I mean, systematic meditation is something I, I, I wonder a lot about. Because again, going back to the sort of sins we can slip into of, of just flitting from one technique to another, whatever's the newest and shiniest or thing we haven't tried, um, that's wonderful. There's nothing wrong with fun new techniques, right? But mm. how there's a different kind of reward you get from, from working the same technique into the ground. Right. right. 
and and it's going to cause what we consider these days this kind of alchemical change this kind of kind of psychological and spiritual testing that forces us to um you know look at who we are and and distill out from our grosser nature subtler and better qualities i mean yeah we change as people doing this work and and i think that's a big part of it there's also a debate now right i don't know if you're aware uh between um people who practice magic and people who consider without spirituality sort of uh that's that 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 path is sort of promoted heavily by dr stephen skinner and who does all the grimoires um he doesn't consider spirituality he has said to have anything to do with magic and then you have aaron leach who's one of like the top guys in cicero's order and also an amazing teacher but who actually also is one of the the best teachers for traditional anaki magic i did his master class that he recorded with jason newcomb and uh on it on traditional enochian magic and the technique is so different and the whole process of doing it is so different from golden dawn it's it's really wonderful because it's like Hmm. i would actually say golden dawn technique of enochian magic makes sense in conjunction with the initiatory tradition of the golden dawn because it's Hmm. drawing heavily on the format and style and symbolism of the initiations and what you're going through. Whereas if, but I don't think it's necessary to do, you know, become a golden dawn adept to do Enochian magic at all. Of course, I think if right. you're, if you're not, if you would just want to do Enochian magic, do it the traditional John D way that Aaron Leach teaches. And uh, I think you could have a great time with that. I look forward to, to getting heavily into that once I have some space again. Hmm. So there's this nice. debate about he, and he believes that you can't separate the magic from the spirituality, that you need to have this right. theur- theurgic process. But the magicians like Sk- Stephen Skinner and Frater Ash and Chassan, who are sort of the rock stars of uh, evocational magic, are very much promoting a, a more uh, horizontal rather than a vertical approach to doing these things. And they're also looking for, they're, they don't, they're not looking for anything astral. They're looking for full-on physical manifestation as well. How do you like that? Hmm yeah right yeah yeah it's interesting like to the extent of like you know stephen skinner would say you can't do this stuff with anyone else in the building that you are in because these spirits maybe they might show up in the astral or you could perceive them in the spirit vision in on those circumstances but they're not going to physically manifest in a domicile or in a building or a structure in which there's other people doing other mundane things even mm-hmm. if it's in a uh, you know the unit over or somewhere else in the house and you're in the basement he, he believes those spirits just aren't going to show up like they would otherwise, which is interesting to me because that's not stuff we were ever taught. Yeah. Yeah. We were definitely on the, uh, the side of it all having to do with a spiritual process that was, you know, a very particular process. Yes. Like we a, were very, very, we theurgic. had our map. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and to me, that's very much what it is still sort of about because there is a lot that, um, comes with the initiations and the techniques tied to those initiations. Like it's very weird to imagine someone doing the analysis of the keyword, which is makes use of adept, the adept it's all based around the adept grade signs and the five equals six mm. initiation. So if you don't have, if you haven't gone through that, it's not doing yeah. the same thing, right? right? It's still a powerful ritual. And a lot of people like Damien Eccles will tell you it is the number one, most powerful way he knows to draw in, divine white light and i would be like well yeah i agree 
And it was for me as well, back when I was like 13, doing it through Don Craig's book, but it was, it becomes just something very, very different once you've gone through the years and years of training and initiations, and then you're doing it after five, six, like it, I was always hopeful that it would become something much greater on a higher level going through those initiations. And it was worth the wait. It was worth cutting out all those advanced rituals from my practice and going through a system that really flips you upside down, shakes you all about and then puts you back together, not in anything like the way you were before. Mm. Ah, That was my experience. Yeah. Uh, The one thing I remember, I think it was from your lecture was that what most people call spiritual pride, they're actually talking about spiritual envy. Yeah, that's a fun that? one. That's a fun one. <laughs> yeah. so the nuances of looking at, at at alchemy and spiritual development through the lenses, the joint lenses, it was like put, I was making a bifocal and part of the lens is St. John of the Cross, but also I was using bits of insight from St. Teresa of Avila's interior castle, which is mm-hmm. really, I think that is to the dark night of the senses. It's, it's, it's more of a portal spirit grade sort of material where you're taking stock of a, a wider range of the facets of your soul. But mm. um, what's interesting when you compared and looked through the lens of John of the Cross with Kenneth Grant, who's, you know, the, the, created the Typhonian order out of, out of the Thelemic schools of thought and really works a lot with the dark forces, as some might call them. Um, those, those demons are so specific to the Averse tree, which of course, you know, you enter through Da'at, where you just don't cross the abyss, but head head straight down into Lilith, the queen of night and demons and Mm. through Da'at, right? Take it, take a headlong dive. And I believe that's necessary. Like, you know, like TDL would always say in the vault, you want to, you want to look up before you look down, but eventually you're going to have to face those demons. And, uh, by using the, that those two comparative methods of the the tunnel demons and the saint john of the cross's insights what really became apparent was a different way of looking at the sins and how they reflect on ourselves and that was really eye-opening because sometimes all you have to do is just change a, an interpretation a little bit and you see a whole other part of yourself and your motivations and a bit more honesty, you know, because we, we like to look how we like to look. And if someone forces you to look slightly differently, you can be like, oh, damn, I didn't see that at all. Yeah. So, yeah, what? how do people usually describe spiritual pride? Well, I think that the assumption is that they're very proud of, uh, of their spiritual sort of persona, uh, that they're putting forth and very confident in it. Um, and maybe that they judge or look down on people who are less spiritual or less enlightened or, or something like that. But that's more of a picture of, of uh, spiritual envy, isn't it? The, the Venusian one. Um, yeah, avarice. Or, oh, or, or, uh, or gluttony. The... Gluttony is Venus. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. So, uh, so, so, but, but pride is more sloth. just for the listeners that don't know this. Stopped. Right, right, right. For the listeners the that don't know this, sloth is the sin that corresponds here to Saturn or being right. And the demon is therefore Satariel. And the kind of things we're dealing with there is larvae and ghouls. And the guardian of the path is Tantifaxat, um, which is actually, there's a band named that. Um, <laughs> and, uh, then when we move on, I got the book right here that I've 
rip through with a pen for editing sake. Here, here's what uh, John of the Cross says about that stage. He says, he weans them from the breasts of these sweetnesses and pleasures, give the, gives them pure aridities and inward darkness, takes from them all these irrelevancies and impurities, and by very different means causes them to win virtues. You know, mm. the idea that, that the virtues we think we're seeking and the way to find them is not the way we expect is what you you want to hear when you're on a spiritual path. Yeah. Right? You, you want to know yeah. that because or a we're, good all, D &D we're all campaign. smart people. Yeah, baby. Like <laughs> we're, we're all smart people. No one who does this work is, is usually much of a dum-dum. Uh, <clears throat> yeah. Griffin. Uh, but, uh, you know, there's the occasional ones, but uh, mm. the idea that, that God is meant to surprise us, right? God is always sort of a surprise, just like mm. angels are always terrible right? There's always this kind of shock. I see it as like yeah. this encounter with the really real. Most of the time we spend our, our lives in, in, drifting in these symbolic worlds of interpreted reality, departing into imaginary realms of either fantasy or psychosis, whatever, whatever you, right. your taste is um, or where you're at in your life. But then there's these encounters with the really real. And every time you encounter something really real, like true love, really real, Every, or you mm. jump off the building and you think you could fly or maybe you just like you know, whatever and you hit the ground anytime you jump remember when you're a kid and you jump because <laughs> you're not quite sure how high you can jump yet but then you right. know that first time you jumped from something too high and you hit yeah. really hard and you're like oh yeah shit that hurts <laughs> like whether you're three four five ten twenty five and you're just like motherfucker that fucking hurt and that's the real and the real is always traumatic yeah true love yeah uh violence uh jumping off a building and hitting the ground that's real so whenever you encounter things that are really real they traumatize you because they shake up and destroy the symbolic reality that you think you've been living your life in that, that this consensus that works for you or the imaginary departures therefrom and then you hit something real i yeah I, I had an experience or... i had an experience like that where i felt like i had uh, everything under control. I felt like I understood everything in terms of the vault of the Adepti and, and a good LBRP and my temple room and all these geometric figures. And then I took a uh, what Terrence McKenna describes as a heroic dose of uh, psilocybin mushrooms. And, and it, for me, it, it, it sort of was like that because I had nothing. I was equipped with no tools <laughs> to be able to handle what was going on or right. to be able to describe or explain. Like, I wasn't like, okay, this is Yasod. Oh, there's Hode. You know, like it wasn't, there was nothing even recognizable in, in terms of my symbolic uh, <laughs> assumptions. When did, when did you do that? Oh, that was 11, 11, 11. Uh, uh, November 11th of 2011, uh, out in Joshua Tree. Oh, amazing! I, I, I had I had a nice experience with my ancestors, though. Uh, I, I I had this strong feeling. You know, the eyes, the, like when you close your eyes and you see eyes everywhere. I, I assume. That, oh yeah, that, that happens for yeah. other people. I think and, of it as it, like the eyes and scales of the dragon of Osriel. Oh, okay. I I always thought it was Osriel. I, I have a very Celtic interpretation of of the what they call in Irish Kapani Puka, the, the magic mushrooms. Kapani Puka mm -hmm. just means puka hats because they're they're named after the shape shifting fairies. Mushrooms are the hat the shape shifting fairy wears. And I always found mm -hmm. it very very instructional that the idea that when you're on those mushrooms, you enter into the she, and if you don't shape shift like like a puka, 
then you can uh, not get through it as smoothly as you otherwise oh, might. You have to be able to you shape shift. That shape makes shift. Sense. You, you really do yeah. on, on those heroic doses. Yeah. Um, which is there any other kind of dose? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Just like a weaker dose where you're like, Oh, do you feel it? I feel it. But yeah. When, when you're, when it's in your face like that, I, I felt like the eyes were my ancestors and that it was somehow my DNA. So it could have been atheist or, or spiritual either way. Like it was either my brain was looking at my ancestors in my DNA, or it was, I was having a shamanic experience with the spirit of my ancestors in reality uh, or both or neither. I don't know, but what if, uh, you know how we're all trapped in our own microcosms and we only see the reality of ourselves reflected back to us. Yeah. You know that old story. Well, what if <laughs> mushrooms and those other psychedelics, what they're actually doing, rather than just causing us to go deeper into our microcosm or cause chemicals to fire in our brains and trip us out, man, what if what's mm -hmm. actually happening is we're puncturing the really real into the macrocosm and seeing how fucked up shit is when we don't have this interpreted symbolic veil? What if the yeah. veil is actually this really simple beautiful but sort of dull sometimes mundane world that we perceive is so physical and stable and that's what's happening we're just like seriously seeing cachette the rainbow the veil the veil is oh. torn aside and the actual reality is like we don't see sound normally but the ancient israelites when they heard god speak in in exodus they saw sound sounds mm. like a trip to me right that's definitely yeah. that's a, there's a strong argument that's evidence of you know, the only time people ever describe seeing sound or synesthesia is on psychedelics. Usually, that's the main mm. time people describe that. And they, yeah. were, you know, burning acacia leaves, leaves in cannabosum, which is the Hebrew word for cannabis. And so they were probably fucked up on DMT and cannabis, for all we know. Wow. Yeah, a lot of amazing new interpretation, uh, understanding coming about old religion now that we're uh, putting the drugs back into it. All it takes is a, a, a knowledgeable, charismatic personality and some good psychedelics to turn those kids into the Manson family or, or uh, you know, the Israelites or either one. Yeah, but at the same time, it's it's hard to maintain. Not to say they're the same, people. just well, to no, clarify, I mean, I mean, I'm not saying I mean, they're the same. I think that's but... a, a big reason why the government have reacted the way around, you know, you know how when 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 psychedelic studies and uh like psychic spies first started being heard about mm. it vanished real quick and we haven't heard that much of it since especially yeah. in the mainstream why don't you hear much in the mainstream about remote viewers anymore but there's this very strong argument that it's because the government realized this stuff was so powerful they're like yeah we cannot let this become common knowledge and have people understand how effective it is so they wanted to learn how to use it for control rather than allow people to legally use it to set themselves free right mm. that's my thinking on it so then they created QAnon to uh distract people from the real conspiracy with a <laughs> a, a different one um i i guess so um I, I, <laughs> maybe I, maybe <laughs> I, I mean the QAnon stuff i've looked at is mostly like how Donald Trump's son is a time traveler from the past, or he will right. be a time traveler in the past from the future. And that that's the storyline I, I really like. And, oh, that's you know, kind of interesting. Yeah, it's because there's these books from a hundred years ago that we've, we have, for, they're from like a hundred years ago and they're one's called The Last President. 
and in 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 the last presidency like a hundred years ago the 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 vice president's name is trump and like the books are called like the and the president's or the vice president's name is pence and the president last president is is trump and and the books are like the adventures of baron trump wow yeah and then you consider that it was trump's uncle or great uncle who was actually one of the cia members or fbi members who were sent to tesla's home to steal all of his private papers right when he died with other agents including hmm. his stuff on time travel so there's that that's where they that those are the facts around which they i think have built these these very wonderful theories that i'm entirely grateful for oh, interesting. it's better it's the best fiction <laughs> or i don't know what it is like if it's if it's true we'll see it when we know it right like i mean why not well like, they first they made reality tv and then this is tv reality or something it's like uh when I start fiction. to think about this stuff too much, I, I start to also wonder if maybe I died like a few years ago or a while back. And this is all now I'm just like living some simulation cast forward in my brain. And this is like, I'm everyone else around me is actually not real. And I'm just, this is death. Like, you know, just a fucked up reality based on the ways you chose to interpret your life while you were alive. Yeah. Or, or a kind of lucid dream, or it can be like, but, uh, and then when you start to think that way, of course, you start to think metaphysically again, like, is this not just the nature of reality? What is the really real? Like, if there are dimensions and timelines and whatever the hell dark matter is or in that space that we can't see in the universe, we just, we just know so little. And that's where I think psychedelics really do open us up to asking questions that are incredibly important, especially if we want to keep developing. Uh, yeah. You know, like, have you tried well, DMT that's the, yet? That's the thing with evolution is it mutates, it mutates a lot of uh, creatures into dying or being, um, you know, what's it called when you're, when you die before you're born miscarriage. Um, but every once in a while it mutates them in a way that actually makes them more fit to uh, the current environment than their parents. And then, so, so with uh, opening the mind with psychedelics, you're going to end up with a lot of, whacked out uh ideas floating on the on the newosphere but but also it's the uh it's well at least it's a way it's a quick way to uh to possibly open up in a good direction too see it was you that introduced uh, yeah. me to the newosphere oh yeah right and, and <laughs> it then, was gordon oh, that introduced me yeah. oh amazing well god bless gordon and rest is yeah soul. yeah um he and then of course i was i was armed well you you had me well armed in seminary for asking about father Teilhard de chardin this, this nice. jesuit sort of prophet right and and every time i would bring him up and or when the teachers would bring him up not knowing i had such a hard on for him they would <laughs> you know i would be like oh my god you're actually talking like you know here's this, this famous 70 year old theologian talking about Teilhard. And I'd never heard him called just Teilhard before. Mm. And she's like, well, yeah, Teilhard, blah, 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 Teilhard, ecological theology, the newosphere, the future of man. And, and I was like, wow, so this, this guy's still taken seriously. And they're like, oh, yeah, a lot of his ideas are, are very hard to dismiss, just very challenging to, you know, it's not about necessarily accepting what he said, but wrestling with the same questions he was asking. Yeah. Like, we have actually almost entered into the newosphere like he predicted. Mm. like yeah we, we're we in the this, awkward in between phase i think so and and in some ways it is sort of sad just to think that like whatever cool shit's gonna happen next we're just gonna be like those sort of in-betweeners that 
needed to uh, live and die to get to where things are going to be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Are we all well, we get ready to see... irrelevant in our own time? Yeah. We get to see some good stuff. I, I remember uh, growing up and hearing, you know, my grandparents talk about the Great Depression, World War II, and just thinking, wow, they've seen so much. But now I'm just looking, I can look back at my own life and, you know, there were no cell phones, there were no internet. I mean, you know, in my early memories, and that's the, we're the last ones that can say that. that like, yeah, we uh, are. We're going to be those old amazing. fuckers who are like, I remember before there was internet, and people be like, <laughs> people be like, that's that there was always internet. How could there be no internet? It's like, yeah. are you kidding me? Like, Little kids that, that like accuse their parents of lying when they say they're older than Google. <laughs> <laughs> But I think, you know, for our grandparents, like, I mean, it was a real concern. Like they watched the dropping of atomic bombs. There, yeah. there, there was no way you could have convinced them after that, that, oh, the world wasn't going to end in a big explosion and nuclear war. They were just like, mm. how could it not? Unless we do work really hard to make sure that doesn't happen. Yeah. And to, I think to live with that, that lived experience, as people call it, um, hanging over your head there was a real incentive for them to not fuck things up too much and that seems mm. to be something they sort of lost going into the 80s because you know we've all seen uh we've all seen wolf of wall street and uh american Psycho. i haven't yet actually you haven't oh they should I, I i was like a little kid when my mom was watching the original wall street movie and i didn't see the sequel to that one either but i did start investing in the stock market <laughs> did you you smart man just a bit a bit a little bit <laughs> yeah well what's life like um as a yo you're teaching you're a yoga teacher well i became a yoga teacher uh but i haven't taught yoga um since i was in nepal but i did go through two yoga teacher trainings uh in india but with covid and everything um you know, it's just not the time for me and I'm not in a place where I need to, you know, I, 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 and plus I let myself go a little bit. If I'm being honest, I need to get back into shape before I do any yoga teaching. Cause well, the crazy, you know. I mean, you can't, you, you really don't like, don't, don't to get, have your yoga teaching certificate. You have to look good in Lululemons. That's the law, right? Right. That's right. the law. Yeah. yeah. In India. <laughs> Yeah. Well, what do you, yeah, no, what do you guys do in, in Goa? Because Goa is a place, Goa is actually a place I got yearly invitations to tour by a record label out there from 2007 to 2011. And I never went. And I was well, here's, here's something interesting. I mean, I'll, I'll answer that. But first, we drive by every day or I walk by if I'm on my way to the store, or I ride my bike, uh, this statue of this, like, this, this, crazy what like he he's this man waving his arms like he's doing something some kind of magic and there's a woman cowering on the ground and i've always been like what the fuck you know like what is that and uh it's abe i i, I finally looked it up it's abe faria let me double check that um and uh abe faria a-b-b-e-f-a-r-i-a so he's a Portuguese guy <clears throat> who's born in Candolim, which is the, the part of Goa that I'm in right now. That's where we live. That's why there's a statue of him. And, uh, but he went on to uh, like take Mesmer's work and improve it and make it more about suggestion and command rather than animal magnetism. So he basically was like a proto-hypnotist. 
but he apparently he was doing it like some kind of like crazed exorcist while people were cowering on the ground um at least if judging from the statue um so that's fun uh but yeah no uh, we we like the the old portuguese i i think a lot of people come to goa and they try to ignore like they just see the portuguese stuff and they think colonialism and that's bad colonialism is bad you know i mean it, it's not all good obviously but but there's an old portuguese uh feel here that like if you're open to the catholicism of it and and the uh the portuguese-ness of it then it it kind of accentuates the beauty of goa but a lot of people come to goa and try to ignore it and just see goa as a party town um but they, there are those neighborhoods and there's a lot of tourism but then there's like other neighborhoods and I don't know. It's very beautiful that, you know, there's the ocean, but then there's the casino boats. So it, there's a whole spectrum of phenomena happening in Goa. Um, it used to be 92% Catholic uh, 70 years ago, and then it became part of India. And then now it's 40% Catholic and 60% Hindu or something like that. So it's probably the only place in the world where you'll find old churches and new Hindu temples. That's so amazing. Like the, the, it's sort of the Hindu temples. Yeah, it's great. It's really interesting. I mean, I, I, I dig the vibe here, but, um, you know, I know there's people who are allergic to anything European that they find in, uh, in the, in, you know, outside of Europe, but, uh, but I mean, it's, it, but it, it does kind of have that homey feel of being a little bit like having the Spanish missions around in California, but not Spanish, Portuguese, and also not California, India. So it's like, and also not desert tropical. So it's like a very sort of alternate dimension uh, to where I was, you know, like a, a, for the first 40 years of my life in the California yeah. desert. Pasadena boy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're, you're, you're a classic breed. You're a classic One breed, day. a purebred. Came up the grapevine. This one's going for a, a very, very steep price. Shall, shall we? Shall we? Shall we? Um, shall we? Uh, seems like we're naturally flowing in through the format of filling in convo between the seven deadly sins. So here's another sin: envy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that envy. was Saturn. Saturn envy. is avarice. Saturn is sloth because it's slow. Saturn is sloth. In. Yeah, and uh, this is my opinion. This is God's. God's opinion. I'm just the vessel, right? So don't. Argue. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. Um, I'm always right. <laughs> Envy corresponds to Jupiter. Envy, and uh, what what uh, what you have there is uh, also the um, demons, the the breakers and pieces, which cause. Um, it's interesting. Uh, they cause on a global scale um, the breakdown of 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 uh, countries. A communal disturbance through the Gashekla or the Akshekla and um, also national uh, breakings apart. Um, that's mm. something that they see as coming from uh, envy, but microcosmically it causes uprightness and jealous conceit symbolized by the phallus issue, mm. which is the same numerical value. Um, and so that's how some of these things were tied together was through gematria, of course. <laughs> um, as we love to do. Um, and so some, however, progress. Uh, here's what, here's what, some, what I, one thing I said. It was regarding the speed of it, an initiate progresses through the elemental grades of initiation and completes the lesser circulation. St. John of the Cross 
addresses the two circumstances of spiritual progress. Many initiates who go quickly struggle with lesser aptitudes of spiritual qualities and skills and often therefore utilize the knowledge and tools of hermeticism to aid the development of their magical skills. Some, however, progress slower for the sake of not losing sight of others and leaving them behind. Um, so some people will just, you know, stay with their class. They don't want to move ahead. That was a struggle for me. I know at some points where it's like you want to stay in the same class as your friends, but not progress. And John of the Cross says they resemble uh, who are softly nurtured and who run fretfully away from everything that is hard and mm -hmm. take offense at the cross wherein consists the delights of the spirit. Um, yeah, that's sort of interesting, I think. Um, the, the, the other line is, and if charity has envy, it is holy envy, comprising grief at not having the virtues of others, yet also joy because others have them and delight when others outstrip us in the service of God, wherein we are so remiss. So envy is a tricky sort of interesting one that has, is sort of a double-edged sword, um, when it comes to St. John of the Cross's interpretation. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. So, so are you back in action with Esoterner podcast? Or, and I don't know much about your other podcast, but are you, are you going to be doing this more? Are you going to, what's your, what's your. Yeah, a bit. I mean, now that I have. Like you might have vanished and just, I mean, I, yeah. you, you told me very distinctly, I think about four, four years ago now that I needed to do what I'm doing essentially. So I hope you don't don't mind all this, <laughs> yeah. all this shit i've done yeah you were sort of like look man i'm sort of oh, i don't mind at running all. out of steam and I, I think the world could use a bit of what you have to offer and i was like really i don't think so i don't think the world <laughs> i did did i say it. that yeah 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 oh yeah Trust oh me. good i mean i i wouldn't be doing this if if someone like you because my issue was around the <laughs> vow i had concerns with the vow right and you, ex yeah. you explained to me this loophole you had found in it uh that applied well, I, they made people. me a chief right yeah. as, as 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 was i so you explain this yeah. people and you're like well okay and i was like if you say so um and <laughs> uh and you're right though about it the, i the try to I avoid about it. naming names and showing you know like anyone i that would maybe not want to have their identity you know or have people know it. like that's there's one aspect of the vow i generally try to respect but uh but as far as the knowledge of things that have been published in books for over a hundred years ago like come on you know like yeah oh yeah if if i can explain something that's written in a book in a way that will help people understand it i'm not gonna you know like I, okay at one time i wouldn't have done that because that was against my vow but yeah come on <laughs> and 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 sharing of experiences yeah like you're not supposed to share anything that goes on in the order like okay i there's a few things that people need to know about you know that went so, on in the order exactly and so 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 that's if, if, so I, I i interpret the oath you know if magic if leaders of magical orders were less douchey sometimes then there right. wouldn't need to be people like us who are who are now sort of independent and out Outing there it. and just just <laughs> yeah. sharing our lived experience like this is my lived experience and i think mm. you should know it from my what no we're or also because we've seen horrible things to people done to people we we love and um right as much like you know honestly magical order should be grateful that people like us recommend them at all because of the shenanigans that can go on and people in there can take advantage of you and ruin your life. You have to go there. You may be hoodwinked at your initiation, but the rest of the time you should have your eyes wide fucking open. 
um, mm-hmm. and really maintain your personal and spiritual boundaries and as, and really only allow, you know, as much as you're going to be pushed and challenged, you know, don't, don't give away your power. And that's something Ramses would always say to me, like, don't give away your power, man. You know? Yeah, that's true. He was good. He it was nice is. to have him and there as so, a buffer. He's, yeah. Well, <laughs> he was the, he was, he was who I think most people thought ran the whole international order because he was the one teaching right. everyone. Yeah, along then with the, a then slew the, of other the wacky very used car salesman would show up once a year. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> confuse yeah. everybody. I mean, we we sort of had it had it good because unlike you know, like you got you could have you could have our guy, uh, like and you sort of have these big figureheads. A lot of the like there's leaders of orders out there right now of good orders who haven't even gone mm. through the initiations. Well, that's mm. that that's sort of okay because. Mathers, Westcott, and Woodman, I don't think ever went through the initiations either. They were just sort of like, we're yeah. applying our, our our Master Mason status and our SIRA. Well, who initiated Melchizedek, you know? Right, well, <laughs> I mean, the true initiations, I mean, I, I remember once when I was when I was struggling and I was told, look, you could just go off and be an adept of the world. You don't need to stay as an adept of this order. I'm like, well, I love the temple and I love our order and of course, I was just struggling with some of the the BS that. Well, and it's the social circle. Through. Yeah, the so, the social world you live in to to have, uh, you know, friends all over the world that that you have a secret with, you know, versus like knowing nobody. I, you know, especially back in the day when people were expected to stop talking to you when you got kicked out, like that was some kind of like voodoo you know yeah i mean like, those were um, that was like the that was towards the end for me when i when when yeah. i started hearing stuff like wait if if my because because uh martin was pulling my mom and sister to leave and just work with him and zaleski out in montreal and i was like you're trying to convince my family members to cut me out and work with you right and right. and then then you had zinc on the other hand telling me if they went and worked with martin i wasn't allowed to see them again and i was like what the fuck is going on? And that was the beginning of the end for the Canadian connection to yeah. Golden Dawn International. And I mean, most of the time that stuff didn't really rear its ugly head because again, we had such a large international order and so many people were, were involved that you really didn't, you know, if, if there was a, bun- a bit of gunk in, in the water, you're like, mm. well, I'm camping, I'll drink it you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I'm out in the wilderness and I'm, I'm forging new paths and it's like, yeah, yeah, so there's some bit of ash from the fire in my, in my food. Doesn't matter. Yeah. I think it was it definitely anyway. a different experience in California versus Chicago or, or Canada or maybe Texas. Like whenever there was like a, a different figurehead that maybe was, you know, of a, a philosophist or portal that was, had a good intention and, and, uh, yeah, they would start a sanctuary and turn it into a temple. Then, uh, then you'd end up with yeah, like how how however many members there, kind of blissfully unaware of what, <laughs> the shenanigans going on yeah. between California and Washington, you know, <laughs> and uh, and yeah. Uh, so yeah, so I don't know. Yeah, I mean it's. You could, uh, for, good, for, I guess. for what I mean, we covered this last time you and I spoke on yeah. a podcast, which was three years ago. Time flies, <laughs> um, and actually, we but did do a three podcast episodes a, ago. a year. Yeah, three. <laughs> well, you, 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 like you said, you, 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 you uh, passed the baton to me, and we're like, "Yo, 
run yeah yeah and I, I fucking was like no thank you and next <laughs> thing I, but you know over the next like year or two i i was just touching in more and more often with my my higher self and and yeah i well i knew things were going to change right i i needed i needed to do some things that i didn't i and i just didn't know how i wanted to relate to the occult world again for a long time right you know yeah. and you need those wounds to heal um yeah and it's healthy to, i think to do it in one's own terms you know yeah um, i wasn't sure what that should look like i knew it it needed to have yeah. something to do with uh with the celtic mysteries which is was always my love because i came mm. into the golden dawn out of you know celtic paganism right i I, yeah. I i didn't have my conversion experience to to christ until i was in the portal grade same here and watching, i started with dcwa druidic craft of the wise of america and, and i got kicked out of that because we my mom and i were in golden dawn they found out they kicked us out we liked to be very exclusionary back then right we we used to not initiate we wouldn't let oto or thelemites into our, right. our order right and that was a big deal because a lot of them were like why we want to learn magic this is just sort I of that my, changed in i just that's, 2006 i think do you guys change that I'm glad. Yeah, you did there was that. A, there was this uh, the these this couple that was uh, yeah they they didn't want to resign their membership even they wanted to still go to OTO and go through Golden Dawn and I and you know what PDR. I think if we had had known more about the OTO and Thelema then we wouldn't have had mm -hmm. a problem with it because something Lon explained to me was like look this is a religion I was like oh really he's like yeah this is a religion and and in Belfast when I was living at an oasis I was like asked to teach there and I did teach a bit and uh, showed them ritual work and gave them history lectures and I was like why is this something why don't you have this already happening they're like because that's not what we're about I was like you're not about teaching magic they're like no the AA adepts there were really cool Irish dudes and they were like no that's not what our organization is I was like Jesus we've been like we've been grossly misled to because there was just all this vile you know disregard and hatred towards Aleister Crowley and anything to do with the man and mm. we didn't we didn't take a critical look at it and actually see the full story also a lot of right. Don Crowley hadn't come out at that point um, we know so much more I mean the esoteric field in the last 20 years has just exploded academically popularly and the orders there's so many orders now you can't even throw a rock and yeah it's, it's interesting one. watching it from a from a distance and kind of feeling like the old fogey who's you know like <laughs> like like or or a little bit like al bundy like i i was a big deal in the late 90s a <laughs> little, little bit for a minute <laughs> that's right for according to a few people <laughs> but you know dude can you like you know um when i i just did jason augustus newcomb's uh podcast which is like a video one that episode's coming soon. It's it's focusing mm. on my work in the Celtic mysteries. That's that's coming along nicely, um, despite this COVID COVID hiatus. COVID hiatus, mm. um, and he he assumed uh, that that Tahuti and we were we were sort of a small order. No one really um, mm. that without many members. I was like, oh no, that was, was the opposite of the problem. We had so mm. many members because we didn't really have much of an admission barrier we certainly didn't have phone call interviews and all these sort of things that you had to go through i mean i did because i was 15 but like if you were yeah. an adult you could send in an application and your initiation fee and show up and that was that was that was good and if could you imagine could you imagine if starting in the late 90s we had initiated oto and thelemic people 
we would have been so large. It would have been mm. stupid. It would have been stupid. And like, you know, yeah. OTO people can get along fine, I think, in Golden Dawn temples, as long as they keep their religion to themselves, just like everyone else needs to, right? Like you can't mm. you can't be like always talking about Jesus if you want to like <laughs> get along in your outer order classes right you know you can't always being like you can't always say oh i don't want to say lord of the universe i want to say triple goddess like well sorry like we wouldn't even allow we want uniformity in the temple and this is something i've talked about theoretically as far as the methodology of of the way our magical system works for training our uh, sphere sensation and astral senses i mean that's something i think that's very interesting about the way the golden dawn went about that in its system but um if you keep that religious point of view and like Aleister Crowley's your saint according to Lon and so Mm. if I was like who cares who cares if someone's if someone is is a thelemite and wants to learn ritual magic like there's nothing even in our order there would have been nothing even in our inner order which was uh more on the catholic side still very still you know people we like to emphasize the catholic stuff because we we brought in a lot of the latin but that's just like that's grimoire stuff man like all the all the grimoire workers are doing in chensumi studate right in asperges may mm. like they're all doing that quite heavily right right um so you know the fact that we also had the create uh, you know creed on unum deum patrum omnipotentum like that's just a tiny little addition when people actually then, especially in the last couple of years, have been doing ritual work with me in Europe and in, then teaching in America, they were always very surprised. They're like, I thought you were a Christian. I'm like, yeah, so I'm a, sort of a Christian um, priest. But um, but then they see me, they're like, well, all the invocations we're doing are for like Horus, Osiris, Isis. And then once in a while, you do, you'll do Azrael. And then like, I was like, yeah, they're like, well, these are all Egyptian he, he, gods. You know, oh, let Why me are... reassure you. I'm doing it in a condescending way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so, I mean, like... they are ultimately destroyed by the God of Israel. <laughs> <laughs> but, yes. you know, we, we wear them like clothes because they're just flesh bags like, you know, Nathaniel after the Armenians. Sorry. <laughs> um, no, it's just it's so heavily like it's so heavily Egyptian. The five, six initiation, yeah, yeah. especially you can't you yeah. couldn't ever convince anyone that that's a christian ritual like if you showed mm. that to like <laughs> if you showed that to a good catholic church goer or a good anglican or or right. uh, heaven forbid an evangelical but if you show them the whipping and the crucifixion part like you could convince them that it's some kind of weird christian cult i don't know i don't know what you're talking about i don't know what you're talking oh. about no i'm, I'm joking i'm joking i'm joking <laughs> yeah join, join the golden dawn you'll get whipped that yeah. actually is probably and the best the advert box we is, could ever make. The box was probably one of the best parts, one of the one of the best uh, initiations. That well, I mean, in combination with the bowl. If, if initiation occurs through, as we say, the fires of test and trial, whether you're in an order or even heaven forbid, struggling with self-initiation, I don't mm. think. That, I think that is the common denominator. What do what does the what do the the tetrahedrons, the red tetrahedrons? atop of the two pillars of Yachin and Boaz, the, the, in the hall of two truths, what do they symbolize? The fires of test and trial. And whether, no matter what group you are in, the, the key to transformation of your Alembic through the mysteries, it surely must be that, right? What's, what's mm. the thing that unites force and form into that ascending middle pillar of consciousness as the serpent winds up our spinal column and explodes in a 
ball of light above us connecting us to the infinite and before falling back to earth that whole alchemical circulation is defined by these red tetrahedrons atop the pillars and we call them the fires of test and trial so mm. there's no greater test and trial in my uh that i've experienced in a ritual environment other than uh, more than the box yeah, I mean, the process leading up to being invited to an initiation and being told you're ready, that can be more harrowing. I mean, what you're put through mm. before that should be should be challenging, should be challenging, just challenging enough to initiate. you, Right. Mm. I mean, and I think the old Christian saying like is is a good um, uh, litmus test for whether or not you're applying too much test and trial to someone. Um, older orders would say oh, all that matters is that you pass the theory exam and then you're ready. It's not our job to gauge your alchemical or spiritual progress. Some Maybe other orders, some other orders yeah. like ours are sort of gauging your alchemical progress the whole way along. A lot of that I think right. is due just to logistics. Like in the olden days, if an order was very small and people didn't get to see each other all that much, well, you didn't mm. have much time to really give each other that much spiritual direction or guidance or oversight. But if you're yeah. in the Alembic at a full-time functioning temple like some of ours were and some of us got to experience well you can't really separate the alchemy from everything else that's going on you're going to observe each other you're going to have people be you know who have been through similar struggles like you know it's not a matter of theory or how much theory i know if i'm showing up to like marcel's house at 3 a.m in tears going through some massive spiritual crisis brought on by insane amounts of ritual work and theurgy in the temple and then mm. that gets taken into my personal life and next thing you know is i need to get some advice and i you can explain what you're going through and you can explain it to someone who's actually then able to say yeah i know exactly what you're talking about yeah. and then you get to have that conversation and then you get to have that guidance and that's such a powerful thing for mm preparation for initiation but as far as strict things you go through in ceremony yeah nothing's more fucked up than the box <laughs> i enjoyed it quite a bit i mean i enjoyed it when it was quiet or uh, the, the music was a little obnoxious at times but <clears throat> but uh when once i i could hear everybody talking and laughing in the next room i was a little bit annoyed i, never, and I was I kind of jealous that. yeah, yeah I was jealous because they were having fun without me, you know, but, uh, but, but yeah, most of the time, I, I don't know. I was just in a, a good place with it, I guess. Yeah. I, I often wonder if, if it spoils it to, to talk about stuff like that, things that, um, you know, like I had no, I didn't know it was coming. So uh, it fucked with me. I knew it was way. coming because I had read the canons and the canons make reference to box time. You have to do so many hours in the box if you sleep with your students and so on and so forth. And so I, I knew that, that was, was something added years later, brother. That was right. I think, right, I think they yeah. added that because of you. <laughs> no, no, that was my mom's boyfriend. <laughs> oh, really? No, I yeah, never, Larry, I never heard of that. He was, oh, he was sleeping with all his practice students. Yeah. Um. Yeah, you know there is something like I've always been. I don't know the the. It's magic and the golden dawn does not handle sexuality very well 
that's one thing I or at say all about it. Yeah. yeah yeah or or psychedelics or entheogens at all and to me that makes sense like save that stuff for like a more tight community like the inner order whatever inner order you're joining if you want to get into that stuff that's the choice almost like a classical sphere group because it's not for mm. everyone and you don't want to make it like regulatory pardon me but develop that whole gastroesophageal disease, which is really, really fun. Um, anyway, I don't think that um, that stuff was was there when I was like, I could really see things changing. Like what the, the problems that led to the schism between Canada and America, they did play out. They did play out. They just took so long, so many years mm. to get rid of this sort of despot who was taking advantage of people again most people didn't really encounter that but those that did were were quite harmed by it and right. you know here's the interesting thing when i went through seminary during the my imperatorship of temple to Hooty, and then afterwards as well then training at a anglican church as a priest and everything what i did notice was so much was the same in the church world in the mainstream mm. church world but they also had developed a whole ton of ways of dealing with spiritual life in a spiritual community that we really could learn from. So there's almost right. like, I think, this in-between ground between mystery schools and magical orders and mainstream churches that we need to come to for mm. creating spiritual homes for ourselves. Because I think that the original, the, the original Rosicrucians were already monks. Like, uh, That's the so myth, they, yeah. they, they knew, well, yeah, I, or the, the archetype. They they knew the rules of Saint Benedict. They knew, uh, you know, how to how to be focused and disciplined and focused on spirituality. So if you take someone like that and then introduce them to the mysteries, then uh, there's a lot that you don't need to tell them because they already know. Like I don't know something like that. But at the same time, like, and and I have no training or experience in sex magic whatsoever and i don't i don't think you actually have much either for, not from no. the womb dawn right you guys didn't get right. into that like yeah it's never never been curriculum um uh to me it makes sense that that stuff is there for people to work with who want to work with it and who are with working with people who can work with it right but it, mm. it's it would be such a tricky thing to regulate um right for a, not just a large group, but just for people who, oh my God, it's just so, I mean, sex is personal, right? I mean, there's a, right. there's a lot of, of organizations. Uh, when I was uh, teaching at ISIS Oasis Retreat Center in California, I mean, there was this group called the Human Awareness Institute and we weren't allowed to go in the huge temple, um, about a little bit smaller actually than Temple of ISIS, you know, in LA mm. and a bit bigger than Temple Tehuti, the, the big temple there was actually built by the Baha'i as their first temple mm. in North America when they came to North America to escape persecution. And we weren't allowed in and the sounds that came out of there, like it was definitely a hundred people doing experimental sexual hmm. work with each other. And they'd come down to the pavilion to have dinner and lunch and stuff. And some of them would barely be dressed, just wearing like a little loincloth and laughing and no, oh, they, with they're light. not Baha'i though. It was no, this was the Human Baha'i. Awareness Institute. And it's oh, actually okay, run, okay. it's run, I believe, by the daughter or niece of Alan Watts, and all based on his mm. teachings. So it's very oh, how interesting, interesting stuff. Yeah. Hmm. 
Yeah. Yeah. But, like, I, I, I love their application form asks, like, do you have any vi- open sores on the outside of your body? Stuff like that, because they mm. get into it as far as I know. That would be an, really interesting for to hear more about that sort of stuff. But we didn't get huh. to, to glimpse inside of that. And I, there are large groups of people, I think, exploring that kind of stuff in the in the spiritual world, especially in the sort of hybrid middle ground between yoga and eastern mysticism and then western techniques there's a lot of schools and movements now that deal with sort of an integration of east and west techniques i mean the golden dawn mm. was an integration of east and west techniques anyway as we as we well know i was just talking there's that the, japanese cult that was uh poisoning what, what were they doing something blowing blowing up bombs in a subway they were all about combining east and west I mean, you know, <laughs> I, I that's what are you talking about? No, what? Japanese, the Om, a Japanese, yeah, 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 yeah. They, they were, they had like Christianity and Vajrayana side by side, and then let's blow up subways. It's oh, weird. Wow. Yeah, you can do anything you want when you're a cult leader. <laughs> yeah, apparently, apparently, I'm gonna plug this in here and then turn it upside down and quote, you know. Uh, uh, why is it escaping me? What's that book of the Bible with all the rules? Leviticus. I'm going to quote Deuteronomy? Leviticus a lot and uh, and talk about Joshua knocking down the walls of Jericho. And when, Those poor people. You know, like, Imagine being at the grocery store in Jericho. Right. And then, like all these hill tribes calling themselves the 12 after the planets and, you know, show up and are like, yo, y'all dead. <laughs> like talk about some sort of paramilitary invasion of hill tribes Uh, yeah that stuff was definitely written by written by the victors right yeah the (laughs) the uh the whole tower card initiation is kind of but yeah back to an initiation yeah yeah um right the the struggle like so one of the things i'm people i talk with a lot with about people and again this is all your fault that i'm doing this i blame you entirely <laughs> and i say this regularly as i go to lay me down to sleep i pray the lord my soul will keep if i should die before i wake i know it's edward's soul i blame <laughs> <laughs> um because a lot of people a lot of people are doing these rituals like i have i have independent students that are like they're getting up every day and doing the LBRP, the middle pillar, the BRH with analysis of the keyword. Then they're doing it like an SIRP and then they're doing like some other advanced working. And I'm just like, holy shit, like you're really seriously doing this. So it must be giving things to you in your life. Like you must be getting stuff out of it. They're like, hell yeah. I'm like, well, that's amazing. Mm. That's amazing. And then the question for me is, how can I help you get more? Or what can I help you get at all? One of the things I think that that will happen at which happened to me doing the Donald Michael Craig system before I joined the order was I kept hitting these walls because it was like there was a mixture of things that I was missing and not actually uh, doing steps. Like you, I didn't think that learning the Hebrew alphabet was an important step. That That's wrong, right? Mm. Um, there's other rituals I think you might take less seriously like meditation one which may not be the best ritual in the world, but it's basically transcendental meditation via the cloud of unknowing with a bit of extra stuff that you can actually see written out even clearer form by Franz Barden in his Dev Eggsumbach and Adeptin, the Initiation into Hermetics, most mistranslated title of hi- in history. So like all of these things are quite similar. And 
people who are doing it independently outside of an initiatory, like there's a big difference when you don't have the initiation to initiate you into the symbolism of the rituals you're then going to use, right? Like by names and images are all powers awakened and reawakened. But if you're not introduced to those names and images, you have to sort of create them for yourselves because you don't have this momentous right. event that defines what they mean to you. And then a group of people to all explain what they meant to them, what they went through, and then you all study it together while recreating it in micro forms through doing various rituals and ceremonies all the time. Yeah. So a big question for me is, and how can I help people get the most of these traditions and even perhaps self-initiate? Well, no self-initiation is gonna be like an order initiation, that's just a fact, right? Mm. But I believe that there is still the same kind of spiritual progress doing it yourself. And I'm sort of curious and, what you and there's think less, about that. Well, the, I mean, on one hand, there's more danger of uh, misunderstanding something or getting in the habit of doing something incorrectly. But there's also no risk whatsoever of the interpersonal or political or hierarchical bullshit that one often finds in, uh, in cults. So it's kind of like a take take it or leave it. Like if somebody really doesn't want that dynamic or they, they don't want to enter into that weird group think, you know, thing, then self-initiation is the way. But if somebody wants accuracy, you know, like if, they, if they're just like they want the best possible, you know, version of, of, of the training, then they would probably want to join and go through all the grades of each of the main four or five orders or something like that. Like then there's people like that, you know, they, I've seen, seen people like that, you know, but uh, like, yeah, like, it's just, I think it's the personality, it's personal choice or, you know, what, what people can, can handle. One of the things I'm know. asking myself a lot these days is as we go into um, building up towards doing the Yates initiations and he has five that will define mm. the Celtic mysteries. And one key thing, I think the most brilliant thing I've done, if I may say so, is I've taken his adept initiation or his portal initiation, and rather than making it a doorway to a whole other inner order of Celtic mysteries, what I'm saying is that's the adept graduation of the order of Celtic mysteries. So it's like mm. you do all five initiations over five years, you do these curriculums in between, and then you're done. You've graduated. Mm. You finished it. No, no, yeah, cult, nice no future cult potential, right? No chance yeah. of running a cult afterwards. No one gets to be in charge, you know, uh, permanently. Yeah. It's just something that can be run by the people who are going through it and then helping others go through it. And then what those people do with that afterwards, if they want to form sphere groups or just show up and do different ceremonies, because they're beautiful initiations, especially when you uh, see how they can be rounded off and smoothed out. The first neophyte is written by Mathers, the second one by Yates and other adepts. And together they do actually form quite this beautiful structure I've created. And the question, of course, that's constantly on my mind, as you can imagine, is how to, how to not fall into the pitfalls of of churches, mainstream religions, and other magical yeah. orders that 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 are keep making the same mistakes over and over again. Because I think if you can uh, nip some of that stuff in the bud, then you could actually have quite a beautiful magical system with magical people working in a group without any of uh, with you know without a lot of that BS. I mean, all new mistakes, right? Like I'm sure there's always going to be stuff, but like 
Ah, there's it can be done a lot better i mean there's a lot of things that we could learn from churches about how they run i mean they they're pretty much empty and vapid and without any sort of living mystical traditions and practices we have magic and and power coming up the yin yang out the wazoo from from the ritual work that we have learned to do in these magical traditions i mean like anyone who who does who's very skilled with Goetic evocation or Enochian magic or any form of these traditions is going to be able to do some very amazing stuff in ritual work, which you can't find in a church, right? Mm. But at the same time, a lot of the problems that you see happening right now in the OTO, they've just, uh, I, I'm now a manager on, on ThelemaTube. I'm now uploading videos direct on my own accord to ThelemaTube without any oversight. Mm. And that's because some people in the OTO feel like I'd be a good person to contribute to the development of Thelema, <laughs> I guess. Nice, nice. And so I, I was saying to the, the people, because well, the OTO just sort of put on permanent probation, like I think a hundred members or more. I, 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 I may or may not have seen a list that is private and mm. I didn't see anything. I didn't see anything. Um, <laughs> but like, and like, so, so, you know, you have them making this huge mistake and a lot of it, I believe, is due to this issue of uh, gender going on with like uh, trans people and gender fluid people in the Ecclesia and Gnostic Catholica and their mm. their their mass, right? The Gnostic mass. And these are these are amateur mistakes in the church world. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C., Right. Yeah. You wouldn't, you wouldn't see churches making these mistakes anymore. They sorted that stuff out to a large extent. The mainstream churches, of course, not the new fundamentalisms that are cocking everything up again. But like the mainstream churches, they're like, yeah, we don't do that. That doesn't work. That that ends in this or that or a crusade. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> like, we fucked up the yeah. world trying to do it that way. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, they've got, <laughs> they've got new problems with like signing their names to globalization. So in the Order of Celtic Mysteries, which is the, the real thing that drew me back in was not just you, but then uh, Eric Sisko, as we will call him, um, mm. you know, um, he sent me the, the Yates material and it was like, hey, you were going to do this once upon a time and you've been working on it and running rituals for it and giving classes on it since the 90s. Do you think you might finish it? And I was like now I might now that I've got this information you sent me and mm. uh, yeah so it was those two things together that made me realize I want to go through those rituals and so if I have to put other people through them for five years so that they can mm. then do them and then I can yeah. go through them 
that sounds like a good way <laughs> to spend age 40 to 50 in my opinion yeah you know? nice so i'll build yeah. a thing for five years then i get to go through it and then i can you know die happy mm-hmm. and anything that gives us an excuse to get together and recite yates poetry is always a good good thing in my opinion yeah and fusing, fusing celtic paganism and druidry with golden dawn inner order techniques like can you think of and, and entheogens like yates was big into hashish and peyote can you think of anything cooler <laughs> like to me that sounds like the best way possible to spend 10 or 20 years hmm. doing that with a bunch of people who are just as into it as i am yeah um, it's my yoga nice well, let's see. I, I suppose it's been a few hours. <laughs> is, we've only we've only anything... done an hour and a half. Oh, we have. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah. I I uh, I think uh, I'm going to have to edit this out later because I'm going to have to run to the little boys' room here. How uh, about I just pause it? We just pause it. Yeah, yeah. You you pause yours, and I'll edit mine later, or I'll leave. You it can hit pause on yours too. Oh, I can. Yeah, just hit pause. Mm. Yeah, we usually have to take a break because. You know, I like to push people to their limits. Good old Scorpio Ascendant. Pause. Well, I feel, okay. I see, see, I feel in a formal, in a normal podcast, Oof. this is where we've both said all the shit people expect us to say. Mm. And now the shit that we're going to say is what people really want to hear. Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to go pee. Go and, pee. And we'll, and then we'll I get invite, to it. I invite you to spit some truth. <laughs> okay. We're back. So I, I, I did something for you that, I wasn't, I thought you might like, and uh, I struggled with it because I haven't really even listened to it in years. And I retranscribed the lyrics from a, a song from 14 years ago. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, I'm going to sing you a song just for you. Okay. No, one else, no one else is allowed to hear it. But this is, this oh, is something, this I, I is something you asked this? for. No, you. I'm joking. <laughs> I'm joking. Oh, 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 I'm okay. joking. Yeah, no, definitely record it. All right. You ready for this? Yeah. In this darkly splendid world, I went to make my way one day through the dark night like a child. I set out to find the one true way on the forest dew damp lawn. By the Abbey Agnes mountainside, woke up to the golden dawn. And to tell a sty, I learned to cry. And when all the phantoms vanish, and I see the formless fire, as we dance within the moonlight, naked in nature's empire, in the vault of light I heard, the whisperings of some god now known like a lover's gentle word. I knew that it was time now to atone for the sweethearts that I'd wronged, for the sorrows of Isis who seeks, for the kisses that belong upon only one true lover's cheek. My love, my heart did die, oh my love. My heart did die, oh my love. My heart did die, oh my love. Sweetheart, please hear my sigh. 
Into darkness we must go to initiate all we can be. My true love, I must know. Open your eyes now and come with me for the sweat our bodies shared. For the wine and bread your body is, please, my story, no, I care. Aphrodite, goddess, you're my bliss. And when all the phantoms vanish and I see the formless fire, as we dance within the moonlight, naked in nature's empire, and old Enoch rose above, but he had not yet seen your face. Now I'm trapped between your love and the other side filled up with grace. So let's dance into the night round the fire of our passion's flame. This truth we cannot fight. We cannot deny our lover's name. There you go. Woo! I, I cut out all the repetitions and stuff like that. Darkly splendid world. You asked me to to do that for you for years, and and uh, <laughs> I can't play instruments in my current environment more than once a month, uh, mm. or something like that. There, I have fill in excuse of your choice. <laughs> <laughs> but there you go, there you go. That nice. Uh, that was my. And there's you know, that was from 2006. So when I was starting to uh, wrestle and 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 go through, starting to uh, contemplate and what I had been through in the Golden Dawn, which was just, uh, it was such a treat, but also such a ordeal, I mean, right? Mm. Indeed. I mean, how long were you in it all together? Like, uh, 18 and a half geez. years. Mm. Man, it makes my 70s but only, seem like nothing. Only about 15 of that was in the, the real cult. <laughs> well that's the thing i mean it's it it started to go that way and i guess it went really hardcore that way towards the end and that's when people talk to me about I mean, it, california it was it was more that way in the beginning like california had its own story where canada i mean uh, ka was he knew what it was like in california but he created a different thing like, yeah uh, yeah so yeah, no, Nineveh Shadrach, as they now call him, is I think mm. always had a quite a a healthy view towards how magical orders should run, and he's changed his group's name many times over the years because they understand it's not about creating some eternal human right. uh, edifice. It's, a, it's about it's about finding a group of people set towards a specific task and and mission and completing that mission, and then coming back together and reforming in a different way after that, whether it's with the same people or not. And I think that's a very healthy model for magical orders to follow. I don't know. Yeah. Well, it's like corporations used to be a group of people uniting their purses to build a bridge for the town. And then it would dissolve after they, the bridge was finished. And that was kind of a, a very sweet, you know, it's, it made sense. But then, you know, they said, well, let's uh, just never dissolve it and also make it swallow the whole world. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that brings us full circle to <laughs> the, the globalism we see happening now, which I always say, I really hope I really hope aliens are it's the I hope I hope the reason this is happening is because of aliens. If aliens all just show it up and we're like, yo, we were just preparing you for us. Wouldn't that make all this crap worthwhile? 
Yeah, Gordon used to say that the LA Basin looked like it was ready for the mothership to just like pick it up, <laughs> like it was just waiting. Everybody like praying to the aliens, come and take us away. Do you have a a, a, a story? Do you have you an alien sighting story like like some people do? Not really. I, there was one time there was this purple light that was moving beside the car and it didn't make sense. And, uh, you know, but other than that, nothing that I've really seen. I mean, of course, like going into certain types of trance and half asleep states and communing with beings, it could be interdimensional. It could be psychological. It could be a number of things. Um, but yeah, I've, I've had the feeling that I was connecting with consciousness that was intelligent, but not human in the past, but no, nothing that I've seen. No, I mean, I, I, other people's stories, I always say there's, there's this other st story that wasn't mine that I always tell because it was such a compelling story. Um, and the way it was told, like, had me like, damn, this really went down. And this is pr some pretty solid evidence that there's UFOs, you know, but, um, but my dad was way into it. He and his mom used to go to Giant Rock where uh, I think that that dome is now out in the desert, uh, the Integratron. My grandma helped pay for that um, when Tassard, whatever his name was, was uh, the guy that owned that land. Every So they would show up in the, like in the 40s and the early 50s and um, spend the night there and just look up at the sky and wait for the aliens, so. That's interesting. Wow. Oh, yeah. Was it into all that stuff? Was it you, was it you was it your mom that joined the Golden Dawn before you, or did you guys? Join no, we, we joined the same day. Yeah, interesting. Uh, right? Yeah, we were uh, we were doing Wicca, and my mom found the flyer. That's and, what we uh, were doing. Me and my mom yeah, were doing yeah. Wicca, and when Ka interviewed uh, me the second time with my mom to sign waivers, they tried to get her to join, and she said no. And driving back, I was like, why didn't you join? She's like, oh, I didn't want it to make it your thing into my thing as well. And I was, mm. I remember thinking like that. I had a lot of respect for her for doing that, though I wouldn't have minded at all. Actually, she would have been allowed right. to participate fully. Actually, I would have probably been allowed to participate in all the group classes that first year mm. if she had joined because I would have had a parent there. Whereas I, as yeah. a result, I had to have private lessons for the first year, which worked out fine for me. I had no problem with that um, because mm. they didn't want a 15 year old around all this adult shenanigans. Right. Once I was right. 16, it was another issue because in Canada, 16 is the age of consent and you're, it's a different legal status. I know that's not the same in the States. Yeah. But it's like, yeah, in 16 in Canada, if someone's like propositions me after class and I was like, yeah, let's rock and roll completely legal in the states mm. you got some like 25 year old propositioning a 16 year old after some magic class that's right. a, that's a big... a big deal in the states yeah in canada that's yeah. just two consenting adults um so that's mm. a that's a that was what was going on there but i uh, yeah she did join eventually of course when she saw how much it did for my life i mean that's something that one of the reasons i still talk about I think the golden dawn in, in such a positive ways because i had 90 percent of it was a very positive experience that turned my mm. life around like i went from the you know within within a, a month of joining i went from being a straight f student in school to breaking every academic record we had and mm, nice i just did a complete 180 or mm. whatever 
the math is that's 180 yeah so i bought a special <laughs> bottle of wine for this because this is a big deal for me man talking with you again it's been so long and it's so hard to have these kinds of, of long conversations these days i got a people. special bottle of weed for this you have a bottle of weed? <laughs> it happens to be in a jar well you should smoke some have you done dmt yet yeah back in 11 um that was my year where i i ripped out i i felt like i was moving through the years and at that time i was in 76 i was in 2011 i experienced what the world was going through in 1976 and i think i might be getting close to arriving at where i actually am i don't know if i have done that yet i i think i might be somewhere in the 80s but uh anyway i'm half half joking but like benjamin button on a spiritual plane yeah <laughs> but i don't even know what i was what, what was i talking about oh yeah dmt i i wrote a bunch of poetry um my god yeah i i did that a number of times and uh it it, it resulted in my being here in india actually i the the fourth time i did it i uh i had this strong sense that if i kept going you know working in that office being unhealthy uh, being involved in the soap opera of the Golden Dawn at that time, that I would kind of die an early death and uh, that I needed to focus on yoga and meditation. And I got this, this strong phrase, in India, there are people who know how to be human properly. And hmm. so that, that kind of became a beacon in my mind. And, and I started to, to, to talk more and more about wanting to go to India for a long period of time. And it, uh, uh, well, it eventually led to my being here, you know, like kind of getting myself into a, a position where there was nothing holding me back and, uh, and just buying a ticket. Oh and, man, I was so close to getting to your wedding. Cause I was already in Europe. I was, I was so close. <laughs> if I hadn't had my bank account hacked, oh baby, I would have been there. Oh uh, yeah. But yeah, how, oh, what's the, there's the, the cliche of what it's like for a Westerner, especially like an LA boy from Pasadena, some like blonde haired <laughs> dude named Edward going, moving yeah. to India. But, but that's the cliche we can all imagine with a smile. What's the reality like? Well, it's interesting because there's, there's this other American who met me at the grocery store. And uh, just in case he's listening to this, I mean, hi Dale. Um, but, uh, but he's, he's, he's from Georgia and he's like a bit older than me. And it's, it seemed like he was assuming that he and I were exactly the same person because we were both American. And I'm like, wow, you know, <laughs> like if we met in the U S like we, we'd be like, what, like, what, what do you have in common? You know, like certainly not this or that, but, uh, but no, I mean, yeah, like most people who end up here are at least oriented in a particular way, like a particular direction, um, you know, most of them are the people that are obviously they love Indian culture and Eastern uh, paths of thinking and, and spirituality, generally speaking. But obviously there's the bros, there's the there's a there's there's a spectrum of, uh, you know, exactly how people are oriented uh, as far as that goes. And uh, and I came to like in, in 2011, 2012. That was when I kind of put out, I, I added like thousands of people in the yoga community around the world. And that included Piyu you know, Priyal, who I ended up married to when I came to India. Um, so obviously I'm very glad that I did that, but it also made me realize that I have nothing in common with uh, 
maybe 60% of the, the new age and yoga people. Like I, uh, I thought that when I left Golden Dawn, I was like, well, I'll just delve into this and surely this will be, you know, the thing. And, and then I realized, oh, shoot, I, I don't even like these people, you know, like most of them, <laughs> I don't know. But then some of them are cool. And I'm glad that I, that, I, that I put my feelers out to see who these people were because I ended up knowing uh, at least a handful of people that I wouldn't have known otherwise. So sort of like how I went from Golden Dawn to, well, there was overlap but into the mainstream Christian church world, you went into the yogic world, but we both yeah. found out those groups of people are just as fucked up as every other group of people. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Certain that... things are universally human. Yeah. As in being fucked up. Like we're all fucking yeah. sinners. However you want to phrase it. We're all just yeah. a bunch of kids running around trying to figure shit out. And we realize that more than ever today that, that are, are, there's no adults in the, on the planet. Essentially. It seems like, all the yeah. adults have checked out and then they're like, maybe there were never was any adults. And I think that might be true. That might be true. Yeah. Well, it seems like in the eighties, they were making movies where the kids were all, they knew what was going on and the adults didn't know. And it was like this fun fantasy everybody would have. What if the adults were totally clueless and the kids were the only ones that knew that there was aliens running around. And then during that same decade and seventies, you had that question authority bumper sticker. And, uh, but now you have, <laughs> Both of those things have gone to such an extreme that the whole thing's folded inside out on itself where the, the adults in the room are there and they're just trying to patiently explain what's going on while everybody else is like, eh, just because you <laughs> have all these, the, this PhD doesn't mean you know what you're talking about. Well, it, it actually does though. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know. Interesting. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Is it less of a, do you find it to be a more spiritual culture at its root? Like in, in India or, yeah. or, or in today India. as opposed to the eighties? Um, well, yes. I mean, it's magically uh, like when uh, like there's magic everywhere, like uh, in uh, the way that people live their lives. Um, I mean, like a traditional family that uh, in, um, in in the U.S., traditional means Christian, and there's a certain magical element to that. Believing that Jesus is going to save them from hell is certainly a very magical kind of thinking. But and but but in 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 India, traditional means uh, when the child is getting married, then you consult the priest and the astrologer, and yeah. they look at the you know. So so there's and and if. If they're like, well, they're almost perfectly compatible, except for this one thing. So the bride needs to wear gold and, uh, you know, sapphire, and the groom needs to wear an emerald. And we need to light a fire at 5 a.m. when Jupiter is over there and, and, and do this two-hour prayer to these particular set of gods. And then, then that'll iron out any complications that might come up in the marriage later on. So that's about as magical as it gets. That's, that's like, that's, that's living in magic. A, yeah. And that's not even in a cult. That's just uh, in that's a village. Just, that's, where, that's, where, cult, that's Indian culture. That's the structure, yeah. yeah. And then, and so people come from that and maybe move to the city, and 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 move away from that. But that's kind of everybody's grandparents and everybody's cousins back home. Um, so that's really interesting. And there's differences 
from north to south, from east to west. Uh, there's so we had like a southern uh, Tamil style wedding, which is when we came to Mysore, we were showing them the pictures and they were saying, oh, well, you were sh you were standing over there. You should have been standing over there. And it was like, oh, well, that's how they do it down there. And that's not that far away from Mysore. So so that it varies from uh, region to region. Like it's, it, it's anybody's guess what whether they would have even come together as one big country if it hadn't been for the intervention of outside uh, outside forces, they could have just divided up and said, okay, I'll, this state will actually be its own country. Um, and so, and so, so Hindi is kind of the national language, but everybody is expected, like, if you really want to go anywhere, then you really ought to learn English. But then there's the people that are, that are like, what, we shouldn't be thinking that way. We should make Hindi our national language. Uh, Japan, China, and Germany uh, don't, they don't, expect everybody to learn English, but they're successful. But it's like, yeah, but they were also kind of assholes at, at you know, at least, at least once where India doesn't, they don't uh, try to conquer the world ever or try to colonize the world. It's just not on the, on the agenda for, for India. So, so it, it kind of makes sense to learn one of the lingua franca, at least uh, to, uh, to succeed uh, on, the, on the world stage. But um yeah, I don't know. They, these are interesting things to go hmm about, but it's it's uh, uh, yeah. So there's there's a whole spectrum of from rich to poor, from city, from urban to rural. There's uh, there's there's black magicians. There's uh, the Aghori. There's all kinds of interesting. Uh, you know, there's a spectrum of of the, what became of of tantra. Um, uh, there's a uh, there's of course all the Western the, the things that are here for for the interest of the Westerner like Iskon the the Hari Krishna um, uh, cults that it, they're in every every country there's always stories about them and their shenanigans uh, I think I I did in an interview that it turned out it didn't record but it so that was really sad um, but it was all about uh, th that. They, there was a, a woman that was really good at recruiting and she was Indian, but she was living in Colombia. And they said, you're going to move to California. And in order to do that, we're going to have you marry this guy. And then, but you're never going to talk to him. And, but then they snuck out and had a daughter. And so I interviewed that daughter or, or she and I interviewed her dad about the experience. And so, but, but it didn't record. That would have been such a great episode. Um, oh, yeah. So that's based in India. Oh, the, the Baha'i uh, we have the, uh, there's this big lo the Lotus Temple in in Delhi. Um, yeah, it, it's very interesting when you get into all the the Sikh, the Jainist, the uh, the there's a lot of the, the the Sikh. It turns out they do like fire dances and have parades with music and shouting in the middle of the night and uh, and and the kids sword fight at, like play sword fight and uh, and and. Sounds like fun. You know that I didn't didn't know about that. You know until I was living in a Sikh neighborhood in Delhi. Um, so yeah, there's just a lot of interesting stuff. Uh, some some of it is very magical though. Like uh, when the guy opens his his cigarette stand in the morning and he lights his candle to the little picture of Lakshmi on the side of the 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 you know table he brings out with him and uh, 
you know, you, you don't you don't buy cigarettes from him until he's finished with his like 21 times moving his incense in a circle and bowing to the to the statue of the goddess of wealth to to help him with his uh, business that day. Like, and it's real for them. It's like they're yeah. not putting it on. This is they're they're living in that world. So so it's very nice. It's actually that that aspect of it. Like nobody thinks it's that weird that I have a, a shrine to Jesus, Lakshmi, Buddha, and uh, you know everyone else here. Like it, it it's you know we're in U.S. It was like, oh, you're into this kind of thing. It's like, of course you're into this kind of thing. This is part of life, you know. It's, yeah, you're just being uh, a good citizen. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I, in, in living in the temple, walking around, bowing at people with a white robe on, you know, for all those years. So, like, like it. Uh, you know, it feels very natural, very comfortable. Wow. Yeah, that's that's very interesting. You know, I, I wanted <laughs> to tell you like a few years back or 10 years back, I went online and I found a bunch of articles and stuff. And like here, one of them says, Kamalapati Tripathi's great grandson gives Congress hope. And then it's like talking about um, this politician, Lalitesh Tripathi, sitting Congress MLA for Marahan assembly segment in the Mirzapur district. And I'm like, that dude was my buddy at the Waller school in North Vancouver. Oh, wow. Yeah. Right. So like I, we always <laughs> thought of him as just that Indian stoner kid, Lolly, like mm -hmm. lollipop. And then when he graduated, he's like, so I'm going to go back to India and get an arranged marriage and get millions of dollars and take my title as Prince Lalitesh Tripathi. And we were like, what the <laughs> fuck are you saying, Lolly? We're like, Lolly, sit down. You're stoned. We don't care if it's your high school graduation. Get your ass down, you stoned motherfucker. And now he, he's an Indian politician or became an Indian politician. It's like, sure enough, he's a prince. Wow. And uh, I always, I've stayed in touch with some of the, his siblings are triplets and they're, and their last name's Tripathi. How do you like that? They're <laughs> triplets, Tripathi. Nice. But um, I've, I've stayed in touch and always been fascinated by their, their family story of, because there's the caste system, right? So I think that it was the dad that, that violated that and married a foreign woman. So he was outcast and mm. then raised his kids in Waller school in Vancouver. And, but the kids had, a, had the option of going back and having well, I don't know much about the caste system, but I do know it's deeply tied into the ideas of karma and not karma as we sort of distort it in Western New Ageism, but karma in the sense of. It's like regulated your karma. If you're uh, on this class and you you do really well and, and then you get to move up one class. But if you're at uh, this class, yeah. you move down. down. So that, it's like a. Doesn't that strike yeah. you as like some sort of really obvious social control mechanism yeah i mean that was supposedly that with the the people from present day um iran who they call the aryans not to be confused with hitler's aryans yeah, but, no, or blavatsky's um, they they kind of brought down the sanskrit and the vedas as far as i know i'm i mean if 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 every person in india heard me say that i'm sure each of them would have something to say about it or they'd have a that's not proven or that's, you know, like oversimplified or, you know, this kind of thing. People have their point of view about it, but um, they basically brought the, the religion and made the caste system with themselves at the top. Like everybody needs to listen to us and our wisdom that we bring to you. You know, this is the caste system where the Brahmins listen to everything we're saying. And so even in South, uh, Pew was asking like, 
that, uh, you know, where people have darker skin, the Brahmins have a little bit lighter skin. It's like, well, yeah, the, the Aryans made themselves, you know, the, 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 the priest class that rules them all, you know, I mean, it, it's kind of, uh, yeah, it's it, it, there was some I forget the name of the, the an ancient Indian philosopher that said that there's you know five kinds of people and uh, but he wasn't saying that they that there's five kinds of people like five kinds of families or five kinds of DNA or something it it got interpreted that way there it, it, something similar happened I think in 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 Western uh, where they uh, they did something similar and it became like a, a basis of a concept of class or a concept of like racial hierarchy or something like that but but uh yeah they're like the the warrior the farmer the uh the priest and so on and so forth the and yeah. the untouchable yeah we had we we did have that same structure in the christian west i mean a lot mm. of the christmas songs charles carl was the middle class the the people who aren't slaves and they're not nobility they're in between the middle class the the, the charles <laughs> interesting and then they, yeah, then along came Charlotte, you know, Charles Martel, Char Charlemagne, and all that. Uh, and so it was like Joe Bob, you know, like King Joe Bob, King, King Middle Class, King, not oh, quite nobility. Yeah. Charlemagne <laughs> so famously, related I mean, Char Charlemagne's sort of the reason we all learn to read. You know, he was the first ruler mm. to say that everyone needed to learn how to read. And he mm. created schools and stuff like that for people to learn how to read. You know, aside yeah, from that's just great. genociding populations of his enemies and all that usual jazz. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Have you shared much uh, Golden Dawn magic or Western Hermetic magic with uh, with Pew at all, with your wife? Like, A little uh, bit. Yeah? Yeah. I mean, it, not the parts it? that I'm not interested in. Well, um, she she likes, I mean, she's not like, you know, you know, wanting to like... Uh, start on the path or anything but but she she respects it like you know as for what it is well i'm curious um, on the perspective like because it's always interesting like this last year in california i saw a lot of magic being done by mm. the fellowship of isis and the temple of isis which grew out of uh you know this irish clonical castle tradition fused with the california uh bota through uh, Granny Rainbow, who created the Union Temple of Isis in the 70s. And, mm. you know, they're doing uh, essentially, you know, pagan goddess worship, what some would call low magic. Though really structurally, it's, it's quite high magic because it's quite religious in its, in its symbolism as opposed to just like hoodoo or, or uh, some of the other techniques I mean, you know, you know the techniques we're referring to that have to do with material objects and, and purposeful gain as opposed to just spiritual purification and ascension and development of your soul, right? That's sort of the distinction we see. And there's definitely things that I'll see in other magical traditions that strike me as really powerful and effective and things that just seem like window dressing that I don't really need or care too much about. So I'm curious yeah. for, for someone like your Indian wife who wasn't raised in the West or in, brought up as kids in our magical tradition as we were, is there stuff that strikes her? 
do you know if there is there is she is she like whoa the Anoki well, she, stuff's really cool or the Egyptian yeah uh, hermetic stuff is there anything that she finds I'm curious what people find interesting when they're embedded in another culture and coming from a very different tradition right well she in particular uh, her her parents were into Osho and oh, no uh, way and Buddha yeah yeah so Osho. so com- coming from that. Uh, not exact. So, but the family was traditional Hindu. So everybody knew all the traditional Hindu things of the region. And, uh, but then, then coming from more of a new age, you know, uh, uh, you know, position here in India, uh, Christianity has come to, to be very interesting for her. Um, so I've, I, I've encouraged, you know, her to do whatever she likes, but I've introduced also Gnostic, the Gnostic, uh, view and, uh, and through like various YouTube sources, she's kind of navigated her way through, um, you know, learning the spectrum and realizing, oh, wow, this guy's really full of shit, you know, this kind of thing. And, uh. And, and I, so I've gotten to, you know, slowly explain, well, evangelism, it can mean, uh, and uh, the, the ancient use of the word is the, uh, the person who goes and converts people. And the modern use of the word is it's the Americans who support Trump, <laughs> you know, and, and they meet in big halls and, and, and get people on TV to give them thousands of dollars. They're the evangelists. So it's like, she's, she's, she's at the point where she understands all, a lot of the different uh, subtleties of, of that kind of thing. Oh yeah. Um, well, it's, it's actually really so, not straightforward, is it? Right, right, right. So, so, but the Catholicized Golden Dawn practice that I do from memory, she likes, like, she likes the incense, she likes the way that, you know, my singing, as she'll say. Um, But when I do healing work, everybody that I've done healing work on really feels like I, that none of them say, hmm, yeah, I didn't get much out of that. Like, they always, they always love the healing work that I do. Like, good old, like, uh, good old hermetic like, healing still works. Eh? Right. Yeah. Like, I, I, it, for one, in one case, it trumped, um, you know, Indian black magic. Like, I, I was like, you don't need to go to a, you know, you, you don't need to have someone go remove this curse. You just have to, like, let me do some work with you in the circle. And, uh, and, and they said, well, yeah pain's gone the, you know thank you and uh so yeah. so that's been you know that's nice I, I i don't do that a lot i do it from time to time but yeah, that, right? that became no, I know what you mean, that huh? became my that became my focus in the end like so i'm not really into all this elemental or planetary stuff like i just focus on kind of the vault current and the rc current the you know the the rose cross current and uh i know and, you're invoking me on a daily basis <laughs> but but you i like the i like talking on your altar the picture <laughs> i like me. talking at times about all the other stuff but but as far as what i do ritually i uh you know it's down to that just uh, mihi omnia. yeah basically yeah. basically but I, I also have my lakshmi shrine you know but uh and, you know and, and i've got my vajrayana stuff going on over there so so i don't know i like to keep it um a little bit uh, personalized, I guess, like a, like a priest would come in and maybe disapprove of what I've got going on. But you know okay. what I mean. Like, here's another interesting thing you might that that you might find fascinating, given what you just said. So, like, there's been this movement in the occult world I've discovered towards using the grimoires as grammars, which is what 
sort of means or grimoire means mm. as for very specific magical processes to evoke spirits and, and get favors from spirits or talk to angels and all this stuff blah 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 right but then the academics came along because they've been getting into this stuff into occultism and they're like actually the grimoires were not a strict grammar but more as suggested ways of contacting certain spirits and once you contacted the spirit and had direct contact you didn't need the grimoires so much anymore because you were learning mm. from the spirit directly so the academics like dr sophie page and a bunch of uh, all of them they all agree on this because it's it's actually true this is how the grimoires worked and how the magicians would use them was to get in touch with spirits and then develop their own techniques and relationships after that they weren't always mm. going back to the same fundamental practices over and over and over again like because as if they skipped a step something bad would happen or it wouldn't work not at all and yeah. that's something that i've always considered to be very true because of how we were taught like we learned all the basic golden dawn practices we worked them ad nauseum we put them in our diaries we wrote i did this many of this and on this time and on this day and then you do that for years but over that course of time we developed other things right and the rituals that you and i probably use the most are ones that aren't in any books that are ones that developed yeah. over a couple decades of our order developing things from essentially the grimoire corpus of material in the golden dawn tradition am i right it's like a notoricon like it only has power uh in you know in what it's an abbreviation of so like if you have if you get everything down to 20 notoricons and then you get them down to one notoricon then that notoricon might have the power of all those years of uh you know like it's like the password to the computer that has all the filing system already that's the it. idea <laughs> yeah. yeah that's definitely the idea of um, a magic word yeah, yeah. Arabita, like or or uh you know anything like that lvx yeah the the super code the super scripts that that give you mm. access to the the code language yeah yeah <laughs> Very interesting. What do you, what do you, what do you think of this whole like occult revolution that's happening in the world? Like, you know, there's an argument that people turn to magic and superstition at certain times in history. How do you think magic mm. and occultism is influencing us at the current stage in history? Like, what, hmm. why is it why is it showing up again? Is it because we've all turned into a bunch of uneducated, anti-intellectual dumbasses who can't talk to people that disagree with us? Or is there something else at play? Because history doesn't actually ever repeat itself. History has cycles, right. but no two things ever happen the same way, not once. Hmm. So there's always in a repetition the opportunity for something new because the repetition is never a repetition it is always the return to something that is now different than it was before yeah i mean in in the case of the us i think uh part of it could be seen to be you know on the one hand you have people looking at the way that everybody thinks and saying um we need people to think, you know, in a more evolved way and think that, you know, if, for example, that black people and white people should have equal opportunities and that one doesn't need to be kept out of the pool of the other. And, uh, and so they try to get everybody to think that way, or they try to like, okay, in the media, we'll have these examples 
polls put and we'll make sure this is shown at, or whatever it is, we'll, we'll, we'll institute this uh, law and this policy here and, and try to get everybody to think that way. So the people that are resisting thinking the way that they're trying to get them to think are, it became very angry and hostile and, and they felt like uh, they were being oppressed by uh, by by a, by an organized and intelligent you know Borg like entity, and so that phenomenon um, resulted in the current bipolarification, where the people that that have woven it into their identity that they agree with and accept that there are certain truths that were unearthed in the 1960s, which we must now live by. And then there are the people that disagree with that. And, and, uh, and so that's the current conflict as far as I can see. Uh, but as far as how the occult has gotten into the mix, I think part of that is because of the proliferation of media and the, uh, uh, you know, for mediums, for example, like YouTube and Netflix and, uh, where, you know, I mean, more than 13 or more than however many there used to be of the uh, of the big network produced uh, shows that everybody watched. Now there's millions. Now people can drift one way or the other from from one interest into another. They can start interested in you know one thing and end up and end up watching learning about the occult or at least by way of conspiracy theories, becoming familiar with the Freemasons and. Uh, and, and there's a lot of people that are raised Christian that uh, will become interested in anything that pushes any buttons about a uh, fear buttons about the book of Revelation. So you, obviously there's a lot of symbolism of the book of Revelation and the, for example, the Catholic church, people used to say the Pope was the antichrist and, you know, it was perfectly, you know, reasonable to the fundamentalist American of old, but now, you know, they can look toward the Freemasons or they can look toward, uh, you know, uh, it, any secret groups and the, the, the concept of Lucifer, the concept of this or that, um, it gets supercharged when people are coming from fear and Christianity, I think, but it comes in upside down and then they might have a perverse interest and start to, and start to say, I'm going to embody this, but then they might flip back again and say, oh, I, I went to the devil, you know, tricked me and now I'm back and, you know, Jesus is, so I've seen all that stuff kind of, you know, in the YouTube stream as, as P was, was navigating the whole spectrum. I wouldn't have, you know, known about it if, if it weren't for her interest. I'm more interested in Eastern things. So it's kind of like an interesting <laughs> yin yang thing where I'm more, uh, more able to point out the, uh, the uh, subtleties between the different lineages of the, the Tibetan uh, tantric yoga Buddhism traditions, as opposed to uh, the different types of Christians. Well, like, it sounds I, like I, a I, good match. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> She's yeah, like, I want to know all about your, tell me about your homeland, Moadib. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And you're like, I just want to know about you, Shani, because girl, you're <laughs> hot stuff. <laughs> She's like, ah, shucks. We just know the secret <laughs> of the universe. I want to hear about the ocean and the waters and this and and the celebrity gossip. <laughs> yeah. Did you keep in touch with many people um, from the, uh, the old days? Mm, not really. Um, I, mostly down to about two people that I talked to on a regular basis. Um, and then uh, 
but I mean, I'll, I'll keep in touch with most people. Like if it, it takes me five days to get back, there's like rings of people from blocked to unfriended to, to the five day waiting period before they get a response to the two day waiting period. And then there's the people that I instantly respond. So it's like, I mean, just for my own sanity, I have to do it that way because in the past I always was, was, uh, was quick to re respond. If I didn't respond to my students right away, then of course I'd get a call. Frater, I understand you're not getting back to your students. I'd be like, God damn it. So, so I, 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 I became very neurotic. You're slipping. Yeah, I, I became very neurotic about answering the phone when it would ring or calling it back right away. So now I, I definitely don't do that. Frater, frater <laughs> I, I, I definitely. I think you're backsliding. I think you're backsliding, Frater. Yeah, no. Oh gosh. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, uh, you're definitely top on my list of people to visit along with, um, I mean, Austin, Texas. I want to see Jeff and because Jeff mm -hmm. Contreras, like a lot of people from our order went off and are running very successful orders that are doing quite well. And that's mm -hmm. something interesting. I sort of often see us as like this very large international seed bed for a lot of really good things that sprung out of it, you know? Right. I mean, the GD Collegium Spiritus Sancti, the GDCSS, they're still doing their thing. And I, I just had on the podcast a few months ago, uh, Aug Augustin Reyes. Mm. And mm. you know him, like he joined, I think, literally the year after we were gone. And so he went up and like then, and he's even on hiatus, but they've got a whole slew of adepti running a functioning order. Uh, yeah, who are good. trained by people that we trained and so the tradition just keeps trucking on whether we care or not right like it just, yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's what's interesting about it to me um and yeah. Je jeff Contreras is in have is one of the top guys at sodalitas rosea crucis which along with tommy westland has a whole outer order golden dawn training system that's apparently very highly rated samuel robinson of the uh uh, what's it called pansofers.org rates it five stars. It's the only one he rates five stars because he goes through on his website and he rates all the golden dawn orders with stars. <laughs> and like, like, I think it's hilarious. My mom actually went through portal, her portal initiation with Tom, with Robinson and mm. Martin. Um, so that means she actually got initiated into portal, not through our order, which she was trained in, but with, Sam Robinson through Zaleski's order uh, tradition and lineage. And Zaleski, of course, along with Nick Farrell, is, is, are, is, those are two of the adepts that were brought in through the Fari Ra in New Zealand, which goes back to Falcon. So that's the actual unbroken lineage from WB8 and the original order and the Stella Matatina side. Isn't that interesting? Like that stuff was yeah. actually going on. So because there was this for for decades, it seemed like there was this popular narrative that the Golden Dawn had faded out. And today, the most common thing people say to me is, uh, "I heard the Golden Dawn didn't exist anymore and hasn't for for 50, 60 years." And I'm like, "Oh, honey, no, yeah, no. The problem <laughs> isn't that it doesn't exist anymore. The problem is that there's almost." too much of it and some of those groups are a little bit too vocal for their own good right mm, yeah. isn't that fascinating like we we had no idea really about the integrity of of a lineage tradition that was continued on of course they were highly they were see that's one thing about you talk about our order being a little bit catholicized in the inner order 
it was nothing, man. It was nothing compared to the Christianization of the Stella Matutina through the New Zealand temple and the Fade Ra tradition. That was mm. like, that's super Christian. It would put us to shame. Um, hmm. And apparently Nick Farrell does some of one of the initiations. He swapped out the set of gods that was used from Egyptian to uh, Greek. Um, what I think it's the, is it the Theoricus initiation? Yeah, or maybe it was the Kibiri. I think he removed the Kibiri of the Samothracian mysteries out of practice and put in Greek gods like Diana or Aphrodite and stuff like that. I just heard that through the grapevine. Hmm. Um, but that's interesting, isn't it? Hey. Yeah, I mean, I guess they could be Zeus, Persephone, and uh, Apophis or something like that. But I mean. Hmm people don't like me saying this but i I'm, i consider myself a traditionalist i like i like the uh or hades I, yeah i like i like the i don't know anything about hades um i like the tradition of the the kabiri and the samothracian mysteries i think oh me too we, we don't I, know yeah. much about it i love the kabiri because yeah. we just do know so little about it and i've studied it academically and even academically we don't know much about it and uh, mm. the texts from the Corpus Hermeticum are beautiful, the way they're interwoven into the initiations, as I'm sure yeah. you agree, right? Did you have a favorite yeah. initiation to perform as an officer or as a hierophant? Or what, what was your favorite? Oh, yeah. Well, my favorite um, as a hierophant was probably the uh, Philosophus. The, uh, as a, as a hieris, I always liked being teamed up with Alex, with Alex as hierophant, and I'd be hieris. Um, but I, I mean, I could do a good, I was usually imitating him though. When I, when I was doing practice, Alex was, uh, an, is an amazing magician. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't talk about it. Yeah. It was always fun when he would I do loved his, the way he, I loved the way he did Hierophant, especially right. You know, yeah. such a, it takes a Marine to make an initiate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He and then I guess a... the, the Theoricus is cute. I don't know. The Theoricus is like, you can smoke a, you know, well, it's a, you, you light some, uh, uh, what's it called? Copal. You'd like uh, flood the place with Copal. And uh, I don't know. It was sort of psychedelic. It was, it was, it was always fun to do a Theoricus initiation, but I always felt like the practicus and the philosophers were very serious and, and uh, a little bit more demanding, especially if you were going to try to do it from memory. We, well, that was, that was, I mean, there was a period, there was periods where things weren't done from memory, but definitely most of the time, I think the move towards memory, having it all memorized was, was more, more of the trend, right? Yeah. You know, if, if you were, if you were, if you were a hierophant and you failed to memorize your lines, no one was going to like insult you for not, for you needing a text, but mm. yeah, there was a lot People more respect at each other if you memorized and... your lines. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, because you could transport people into a place that can only come from sacred drama and theater that, uh, I mean, like when you're watching a good movie, you don't see Doctor Who looking at his lines, you know, when he's taking you to another world or something. Yeah, if no. he did, it'd suck. <laughs> yeah. It wouldn't be the same. Yeah, no, I mean, I can understand why it's hard. Like, it's very hard to, given the rigorous schedule. Like, if you're in Freemasonry, you're just doing the initiations. But in Golden yeah. Dawn, you have all these rituals you're doing in between, like, just mm. hundreds of hours of rituals. And and you can't memorize everything. I'm sorry. You just can't memorize everything. Yeah. Um, 
so it, it, it and it's not i don't think it affects the energy in a major way even the even the the famous group, well, and there's the idea like don't memorize like everything. the the priest uses what is it the missile or the yeah like, the missile well that was a the big idea argument. that it's it's because it, it doesn't come from the priest it comes from the tradition and so it's written in the book and so to have the book there as a as a symbol you know it, it, then people realize that they're part of a something that's ongoing or something i don't know I, it sounds like bullshit to me <laughs> <laughs> do you think um do you think there's going to be golden dawn in 50 years yeah. Oh, yeah. There'll be just more, more of. I mean, there's go. There, D, I didn't even realize D and D was having a comeback. Now I feel like a a trendster. But, oh yeah, uh, you're so trendy. I was actually I uh, I went for a walk earlier to do a bunch of errands and uh, was looking into like cancer uh, cannabis solutions because you know my mom's in so much pain and and I was mm. looking for things that could be better than opiates and. Um, uh, and of course, I couldn't leave the store without getting three sativa joints for 10 bucks while I was there. Right. It was just like, mm. it was basically free. And um, <laughs> smoking one on the way home, I was, what, what were we talking about? I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, 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 I remember so it's like 1130 here. And for folks listening, it's like yeah. noon. It's like lunchtime where you are. And yeah, I yeah, up, yeah. I, I should really probably. Early. Like, I want to I finish like this little segment so that we have. Yeah, a, yeah, yeah. But I'm trying to. What were, what, what were we talking about? Gosh. I, I totally lost track. We have to do this sometime when it's late for you and it's early for me because I'm very sharp in the morning. That's when I get all my work done yeah to get all my stuff well, done by noon do you do you have anything any final thoughts about if someone's going through practicus and they're and they're uh coming up against uh some you know where the where the stars have lost their light and you the earth the body is not no it's would you recommend think, that they what, invoke think, before their, the visible image of the soul of nature yeah what mm -hmm. i think i went through in practice <laughs> happens from between practice and portal through like that mm. that period of the red and 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 the well the white and the red work uh leading up to the solar initiation of, of adeptus and i've been talking and i've been chatting with some people who have like sort of self-initiated up to portal and i know you did a whole episode on your podcast which for my listeners is the esoteric nerd podcast you should check it out um on portal problems and portal is one of those great see if you could self-initiate to a certain point if you can I think portal is where you're going to run into problems because, mm -hmm. because it's one of those walls. And um, so he was describing what he's been going through now that he's used a book, which is one of the new self-initiation books that's out there. And it's all based around building the body of light and doing a lot of, you know, five, six inner order rituals in the very first stages. And that's fine. So, but he hit this point where basically it was like he, he was documenting a lot of it on YouTube for people. And he had a point where he came out and was like, basically, I've hit this point. I don't even know what I'm doing. Um, I, I, I think I've lost. I think he lost his job or something. And he has to like move in with his parents. He's not going to be posting videos or doing anything for a while. And this is someone. So like, imagine you bust ass at an independent initiatory self-initiation system you're doing all this ritual work you're imagining just just imagine you're doing all this stuff and you think you're gonna become this 
enlightened being or at least someone who has their shit together which is what we all do but then of course the nature of portal and every real initiation is that it is it that it tears you apart to an extent to put you back together again and so to me when i heard him say that that was like okay now i believe you've actually initiated yourself solo into portal Mm. when you describe these problems now that sounds like someone who's actually in that that Oh, he, he had come from he he had come from our same group up in Chicago. Uh, well, but yeah, he, your uh, guy did, and my guy. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. Talking about it's so oh, different. Oh, but they I both see, they they what your guy told you is what this guy I found on YouTube, who's who's I've mm. invited him. He and I are in touch. I've invited him to because like if I can help anyone, I will. Like that's one thing I'll do. Yeah. Um, and it's the their their issues are so similar. I was like really struck by the similarity and also mm. by the just the struggle that we all sort of seem to hit in portal where it's like, where am I going? What am I doing with this? What's mm. what am I have I actually gotten out of this? Because your life, I don't know. Well, I'm at a loss for words, but maybe you can give some insight if you have any into the mysteries of going from that lesser circulation to that greater circulation from, from like, what do you think becoming, gaining knowledge and conversation with your holy guardian angel is? What is it to discover a flicker of the true self or at least enough that you can find out what your motto or name should be to represent your adept self? Like, what is that journey? What was it for you? What is it for all of us? That's, these are the big questions that I think people really want to ask because no one wants to just do a bunch of shit and practice rituals for years and then end up with nothing or less than they started with. They want to actually get to a place where they have that, like there's, there's commonalities and similarities that people see in adepts. And that's the thing that people are after. And like Marcel always told me, our job is to make adepts. If you get to be there, that's your job. And part of our five equals six vow, if you've actually comparing that to the neophyte vow that we take, and vows are a powerful mm. thing. If you want to talk about actual powerful magic, let's talk about vow, the vow element of initiations. But in the five, six vow, we vow as adepts to always help teach the students and members of the Golden Dawn. And that's one of the major reasons I'm doing what I'm doing, because no matter what, I took that vow and that's something that I can do is help people learn and practice the golden dawn system for their Mm. own spiritual growth. And I, I take that very seriously. And that sort of trumps some of the other vows that we were talking about before that might seem to be like, Oh, don't share your experience of doing this ritual. Just let people fumble around in the dark with like some half baked books about it. And that's Mm. where like, we're like you and me both agree. That's ridiculous. If I can share some insights on how to do these rituals and pursue your spiritual path in a way that actually makes a difference in your daily life, let alone the course of your, your whole soul, then I should. And we, that's actually a part of our oaths as adeptus. Mm. Right. So what's the higher self? What's the Holy guardian angel? What's it mean to you? What, what did you get out of it? Why should other people even bother with all of this chanting Mm. and vibrating and symbolism and meditation? Well, for me, I would say, I mean, two, two things. One is a disclaimer that I'm, 
I, I, I don't pretend to know the answer to the question. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, I could say, I could say, well, you know, when you get to about 40 and you finally get that inheritance and you can stop having to run in the rat race, but that's kind of com coming from a very privileged and specific position. So, so if I were to mistake that for having any kind of mastery that was of my own making, um, then I would be a fool. Uh, that said, I, I, I got to a place where higher self and I, I, I started to use the, the phrase true self. That's what, uh, I, that's my favorite. Yeah. Thomas yeah. Newton uses that. Cause it's not inner, it's not outer, it's not higher, it's not lower. It's, uh, it's, it's just the unmistaken one. It's the one that's not all wrapped up in knots, you know, I like that. In, unmistaken in one. Yeah, the, in a personality or an ego or, or uh, uh, us versus them kind of, or, uh, or uh, I've got to live this life or I've got to do this or I've got to do that or I, I, I've got to not do that or I, I desire to not desire anymore. All of that sort of monkey chatter stuff is not the self. And then the self is behind that. So if a person says me and they mean who it is on their driver's license and the face looking back at them in the mirror, then that's not it. The true self is underneath that, or it's behind that, or it's above that, or whatever you'd like to put it in uh, met metaphorical geographic uh, relative, uh, you know, spatial relationships. But uh, uh, yeah, so getting, getting, getting underneath that, silence can really help. Sometimes noise helps. It doesn't, sometimes a combination helps. Uh, devotion can help, but it's not for everybody. Uh, you know, whether it be Krishna or Jesus or Shiva or whatever, like getting down on your knees and opening your heart and, and, and having tears come to your eyes when you, when you open up to uh, an archetype or, or a, a divinity of some kind helps. Um, uh, knowledge helps. Uh, and... Uh, you know, and, 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 and having, having good relations with others, you know, uh, certainly helps. So for some people, isolation, you know, gets it. I, I, I don't know. I think it's like fasting. Going through a period of isolation can help. Even if it's half an hour saying, you know, I, don't disturb me for half an hour. I'm going to meditate. That can be enough. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, that's all I've got, really. I don't pretend to have... Uh, to have an answer to that one. Um, I just, I like to put on the dress and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, <clears throat> that's how I do it. I mean, I, I get in touch with Jesus in, within me, uh, with Yeshua Mihi Omnia, with uh, the, the one true self of the universe. Um, and to me, it's like, an, it's like a superhero kind of vision of, of the vault and all the lights going through the heart. And from there, I've been able to do some effective healing. Do I recommend that for everyone? No. I mean, like, like you said, like when someone asked me to explain the Rose Cross to them, I had to explain that you go through years hearing about rumors of it. And then you, then you are allowed to know that it exists, but you're not allowed to talk about it. And then they get, you get locked in a box for two days and then they strap you to a cross and whip you. And then, then you get to learn about the Rose Cross. It has a certain, it could have been a, it could have been an upside down frog, <laughs> you know, with a, with a, with a purple napkin. And it would have, you know, like then, then I would now have the healing power of the upside down frog with the purple napkin. Um, but it, it but it happens to be the rose cross, which is a very primal symbol. It, it's got the 
the the linear and the circular it's it's got the the, the, the dimensions it's got the uh, you know there's so much about it to a lot love. of a uh, lot the, of universal symbolism including like the monus hieroglyphica of john d embedded within it yeah and the rose of sharon and the the bride and, and groom of of the songs of solomon and and that kind of brings in all all the sufi literature can kind of is kind of like a growth off to the side of that one um so well, the union of and the, and he went to damascus they he went to damascus and they named him rose rose rosicrucian you know christian rosencruz so it's it's fascinating to reflect on that yeah yeah i mean i mean the union the idea of the union of the micro and ma macro prosopus or, or mm. eric and zaur and pin as we have it in the kabbalah um mm. And the theories around how that happens ritually and alchemically in the Golden Dawn tradition. And these are writings that people are usually less familiar with. Also, the writings that I can't imagine. Every time I reread these instructionals from the original order, when I read them, I can't imagine them actually making sense to me before I went through all of what I went through. Like, there's something about just you have to have walked the path to, to see their relevance and then you get these insights. But also I think it comes down to a fundamental mysticism of the true self, like, like you said, right? You know, putting together the puzzle pieces of who you are to such an extent that you not only know what you have to do in this life, but even if you don't wanna do it, you're just gonna do it because that's what you're meant to do. And that's what I, how I see the great work, you know? Mm. I don't know. Mm. Yeah. Well, certainly it's different for, for everybody. I'd say, you know, there's certain universals and then, uh, and then each person has their kind of key and lock their, their in the relationship between micro and macro. And uh, there's like, we have to reach a bit and uh, at least as much as Adam on, on the Sistine Chapel, you know, we have to at least extend our wrists slightly and, uh, and then the higher or the, true or the macrocosmic being or self can uh, can do the rest of the reaching and and then at a certain point you know there's levels of an of gnosis and and uh i mean it eventually it leads somewhere i don't think it leads to shooting bullets out of you know, when people have expectations that they have to be let down you know like having superpowers or something yeah, um, there's definitely powers. I don't think they're super. I think they're very human. Yeah, natural powers. Yeah, but we'll talk about uh, that another time, perhaps. Do you think there's yeah. a lot? Could you, could you leave people maybe with a, an idea of like, a lot of people are overwhelmed by the sheer overwhelming amount of ritual practices that are competing for their attention. What are one of or some of the main ritual practices from the Hermetic tradition that you think are really worth get, taking seriously or that are maybe overlooked or something like that? Well, one thing that I want to get back into is a self, a self conduct, a self conducted mass. Um, I was thinking of because I think I think I have a I PDF just, of the old second order mass, bro. I just and, uh, I just okay. Sorry, you finish. 
Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You remember the old second order mass, or at least uh, scripts of it. Yeah. Uh, people so I just about it. I just bought a bunch of Brasso and oh, was nice. polishing my chalice in the patent for the bread and salt. And yeah. Because uh, because I didn't have my those tools, I've been using substitute tools for the last few years. But for me, what I the way what I've always called it is the Osirian Eucharist. And yeah. I actually just found a bunch of old documents of ours that were altered um, based on what, uh, you know, TDL and, and we at Tehuti had done and then taken by Martin and rewritten with Zaleski, Pat Zaleski's supervision and then put out for his Horus Temple in Montreal. And uh, I like our version, but I'm, I've got, a, I've got a, a hybrid version coming together mm. of that second order, inner order, master, Assyrian <laughs> Eucharist. And I'll send it to you and see what you think. There's, oh, nice. There's a lot of different ways to do it. But essentially, the Eucharist, as we know it from the neophyte initiation, that is definitely the, especially as a priest, the cornerstone of my ritual practice. So mm. I do all my rituals, but then it's about partaking of the four elements through the yeah. body of, of Osiris and Ophrys and those invocations, the invocation of the higher genius and all of that. That is my central ritual work and including a bit of bornless stuff and all that. And of course the inner Yeah, yeah exactly. For me, the, the, my personal work, it requires a lot of explanation, of course, you know, uh, for, like, it wouldn't for you, you remember premise 14? Yeah. The, with the, with the Typhirit square on each of the seven walls as from, from inside the column. That's what I do. I call it the ritual of the seven Typhirids because if I call it premise 14, people have no idea what I'm talking about. I don't, about, I don't, I think this is the first time much that longer it, conversation. Any, anyone has said, referred to the premises. On, on <laughs> uh, that, that's something that even I, even the heretical soul within my heart would not uh, share, but you're, well, you're I, even I, more I, heretical I, than me. So let it, let it, <laughs> tell them about the all the 32 premises. Right. No, I, I wrote the S2 based on the premise 14 and the S2 became a, a ritual that everybody in the outer did. Well, you have um, to send me that. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it's it's sort of like the same thing, but with archangels or an, with, with angels and a cauldron. So like you dump all your <laughs> you dump all your indigo energy into a cauldron and then you turn around and face uh, Cassiel and you, you get a, a, an influx of pure, you know, uh, untainted you know divine uh but saturn indigo you get you get your your indigo fuel change like oil change and then uh sahiel you get the or you know the purple oil change and and uh zamael the red one and so on and so forth so so it's like a slow earthy version of the uh premise 14 but uh but for people who understand it people who who know about energetic working in the vault already then uh, it's just basically uh, connecting with the, the dot inside the rose above, the dot inside the rose below, the dot inside the rose within, and making a column. And it's almost like a kundalini, you know, like the, the energy circulating with the, with the bandhas, like you can get yogic about it. Um, but it's like, for me, it's a gold and pink column. And then from there, from the inner rose cross, connecting with the Typhirus squares of each of the seven walls in whatever way works. And of course, they all have their own in individual interesting colors. So it ends up being a very interestingly colored flower. Um, and that's where I do my healing work from. Then I, I, I mean, cool, I, I either do that 
I do that as another person or I do that, you know, for another person. And, uh, and then sometimes for myself. And I, that's the, really the only healing work I do. I'm not interested in Reiki, Reiki or... Uh, no, me or, or After or learning that. what we learned, man, there's yeah. nothing else has ever interested me at all. <laughs> not at yeah. all. Yeah. <laughs> I can't, so I, I, so I skip to that. Things. I do LPRP, BRH, you know, middle pillar, uh, uh, adoration, invocation, and then uh, Rose Cross. And, uh, and then that what i you know <laughs> seven seven type furets and then that's it and then final release <laughs> i use that's a, pretty much of, all i do it, uh, I, I would say i focused on a different premise for my most powerful techniques along mm. with things like <clears throat> the beat and stuff and uh the, the premises i've used them in situations where you can beak like a sewing machine down, and down. oh <laughs> well these are what the Indian <laughs> tradition would all call cities right that's what they would call these is cities. Yeah. They're powers. They're powers. And like Dion Fortune says, is you you can't rise up the tree of life by focusing on the powers because the powers pertain to Yachin and Boaz, the pillars of force and form. That's where you find the powers, is in the side mm. spherot, in the side mm. sephiroth. So, like the lotus the, rising up. Yeah. It gets distracted by the occult powers fish yeah you can't you have to focus on that middle pillar of consciousness and then the powers they come as they come but if you focus mm -hmm. on the powers you end up getting corrupted and afflicted and like the christians say you know and this my my methodology is to you know afflict the comfortable and, and comfort the afflicted and try and help everyone raise their consciousness a little bit and along the way yeah a few powers might come that have real drastic effects in the world around you you can glitch that matrix out in certain ways uh to the extent that other people will notice it and be um astounded by the wonders like like jesus himself would say um mm. you know for what powers i have you will have greater than these and mm. that is that is the rosicrucian tradition and uh i have actually a lot more to say on this but like hey we're also, well, there's there's always next time right bro yeah for sure i mean god i uh i can't believe that we actually got to talk and do this i know this is going to sh send shock waves through the the magical <laughs> occult world of, on all those wiccans who don't know what we're talking about they'll be like you're all snooty and like memorizing hebrew and kabbalah it's like yes we are snooty <laughs> I'm, I'm just joking. I've, I've finished like a bottle of wine. So what can I say? It's bedtime. It's time to watch some shits Creek and pass out. Um, oh, wow. Hey dude, if we can actually, let's just talk for 10 more minutes. We'll hit the three hour mark and then I will love you forever. Yeah, sure. No problem. All right. Okay. Tell me the craziest thing that's happened to you recently. Oh man. The craziest thing. Um, the crazy you have any thing. covid stories can i ask you a question COVID like uh, let me yeah. ask you a conspiracy theory question sure i've been asking this of people and shocked by the results have you known anyone since february or march that's gotten the flu or even gotten a cold um i think that pu had a fever for a little while and took something for it and it went it away wasn't covid um, well, I mean, uh, old high school friends and stuff on Facebook, but I mean, I, I don't really, we don't, you know, hang out with a lot of people. Um, yeah. 
There's a theory going around that, of course, like we're being poisoned and that other diseases are being held back and stuff. I don't know. There's a lot of stuff Mm. going around, man. I don't know what to think. I'm praying. I'm praying that that this is all about aliens and they'll show up because I never believed in aliens, actually, you know, Mm. or ghosts. Um, Mm. But there's been a lot of new developments in what we know about science and reality and history that have me. It's honestly, I think it's the dog face demons. It's the, the, it's the Omega point. Tellier Desjardins Omega point and the dog face demons uh, battling it out again. Um, Like in uh, the galactic days of your, you think so? Hmm. A little bit. <laughs> well, <clears throat> yeah, like, because uh, I, I remember I thought when, uh, like a lot of people, you know, were so optimistic when the internet was new that, uh, wow, now we're going to be able to exchange knowledge with everyone in the world and find out we're all just alike and, and uh, you know, uh, some kind of internal revolutions, you know, uh, this kind of thing. But then uh, it ends up looking really bizarre and allowing for, for subgroups of any kind I mean, that's the thing is it's a positive and it's a negative. So on one hand, occult groups or Dungeons and Dragons or, you know, uh, trance or, you know, in any like if you're the only quote unquote weirdo of whatever kind in your high school, you can connect with 10,000 people just like you, whether it's incel or uh, conspirituality or, (laughs) you know, whatever it is. Uh, Yeah, I don't know what an incel is, man. I. People are always calling me like people are always saying things like cis and incel to me. And I'm like, what are these words you are making up? I do not know. Involuntary celibate. It's the people who blow up malls, children who blow up malls in the name of girls not wanting to sleep with them or something. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's weird. And then the uh, cis cis is when you're uh, when you're when you're not when you're not trans, I think. Right when to you're when you when you identify like, with the gender of your gene of your chromosomes, you're basically you're so cis. if you identify with the gender that you're born as or look like, you're yeah. just basically a cyst on the evolving body of humanity. You're holding. Oh, it's just CIS from from. Yeah. No, you're a cyst. I'm changing it. You're a cyst <laughs> oh. because Crowley, Alistair Crowley, had this vision of the ad- androgene future of humanity. And if mm. you are rejecting it, you're just a, a cyst that needs to be removed. I don't know. Mm. I'm talking shit. What would be more interesting to talk about is you're you're discovering the trend of D and D, which I really I found out was happening. Like I, I've, I've dabbled oh, yeah. here and there, but so I've been recruited to now run a fifth edition game, which I've never run fifth edition. Um, so they're going to have to help me out with the new rules. But any mm. chance to roll a d20 is is a good thing, in my opinion. So I'll yeah. be doing that twice a month with some a socially distanced group here. Um, and what are you doing? Are you are you are you going to play some Dungeons and Dragons, man? Well, right now I'm just uh, learning and and getting all the stuff that you're supposed to have. You know, the, if you want to be a a, a DM, I mean, I'm I'm a wannabe DM. I, I I'm DM poser core. Like I, I like Dude. to buy D and D stuff and set there's, them up as if I did yeah. anything. There's, there's, there's online platforms like Roll Twenty. We, we mm. could do a monthly, like adept D and D game on Roll Twenty, and we could do some D and D once a month. I don't know. I resist anything that's scheduled. <laughs> I know you do, baby. You're, you're a Virgo. <laughs> you're, you're a child of Mercury, and, uh, and what? Yeah. But right now. 
now I right now I'm just learning. If I learn this and then learn Hindi, then then at a certain point I could I could start doing. Uh, but otherwise, I can do I can do games for of course for people who speak fluent English. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I I'm an I'm an aspiring DM. But I, I think there was you, a, you can make more money I think as a DM online these days than doing most things. Mm, yeah. yeah, it's your new career path. <laughs> yeah yeah yoga dm yoga well that's great that you're, you're getting into it i've always loved telling stories i think telling stories in an interactive format with people i used to do it in improv acting or dungeons and dragons or, or any role-playing games or you know and that's why i think initiation and ritual magic appealed me to, to me so much is because the art of psychodrama or storytelling that changes the people even if they're doing it through a character is just so powerful and something that we've we we are missing in our culture for some reason yeah disney shouldn't have the the only uh, right to shape people's mind with uh, imagery and well-delivered lines well disney's hit or miss with the well-delivered lines if you the new Star Wars uh, but every once in a while they've got the music that you know when people used to go to the theater back in the day Oh yeah, oh yeah. So, are you are you going to make a D and D character? I can't believe you and me are talking about D and D publicly, but that's great. Fuck it. What are you going to at make? some point? Are you going to be a barbarian? Are you going to be a rogue? Are you going to be a gay? Probably a rogue at first. BDSM thief. <laughs> Probably a maybe a something weird like a rogue half elf that the humans don't like him because he's part elf and the elves don't like him because he's part human. And, uh, and so he, uh, or a ranger. No. Rangers are great. Rangers are super. Yeah. Fun. Yeah. And, uh, but maybe, uh, uh, neutral ish, like, uh, chaotic neutral or, or, uh, well, I don't know. I should probably start with, uh, say like, lawful neutral or, or lawful good or something my favorite games are always the ones where where people start really at first level hardcore and they don't even really know what their class is they have a class but they are like in a village or some shit and their dad just gets killed and then like some mm. people are passing through town and they're like okay i guess you can come with us and that way you're like you know, if anyone hits you, you might die. So you're really on edge. You really have to focus on storytelling and character interaction because you can't just mm. go hack and slash or you're going to get slaughtered in two seconds, you know? Right. So the stories yeah. that force you to figure out social strategies are really fun. And then, of course, once you get good at that and get more powerful, then you can handle bigger enemies and threats and challenges. But in the beginning, it's really fun to focus on that that narrative journey of, how a nobody becomes a somebody. Mm. Anyway, that's Interesting. My, my yeah. two cents as a, as a veteran. Yeah, from reading that the DM book, I'm, I'm getting to see how the structure applies to so much, so many shows, you know. Uh, there was that recent one with the new Merlin, but it was a female Faye that was the star. I forget the name of it. Cursed? Uh, that, yeah, the Cursed was something straight out of D&D, you know, like with the paladins and the all kinds of stuff. Oh yeah, I, don't, I sort of sort of know. I don't know. You know what you need to read is my favorite new novel of the last ten years, which is or twelve years is Patrick Rothfuss's Name of the Wind. Mm. I mean, the book's basically written about a fantasy version of me, so I relate. <laughs> <laughs> nice. But no, no, it's actually just a really great book, and it's won awards for a reason. Check that out, Name of the Wind. 
Um, okay. The way, the way they do magic is really, really interesting. Um, anyway, that's my yeah. two cents. And yes, one day we'll play D&D together in India, in Goa. Sure, you can teach me, actually. If you've, if you've done it before, I'd be, I'd be glad if you would show me the ropes. Uh, or you can lead a game where, yeah. where, I've, where I, I, I can be your one player <laughs> and you can lead, lead me on a mini adventure. Dude, dude, me and Daniel, before he joined the Golden Dawn and, and took over Temple of the Hoodie and fucked up Frater Yeshi's order, he and I would just spend three, four days straight. And o- over six months or a year, we would play campaigns with just the two of us with a character each and one taking turns DMing that would last. Like, it would go on hundreds, nice. hundreds, and hundreds of hours. Like, we'd, we'd get up to level 30 um, over the course of a couple of years with just the same two characters. And wow. uh, yeah, you get really into it in a, in a serious way. And like, you know, it, it was actually always funny. We couldn't like, you know, a parent would come in to ask if they could make us food because, you know, lucky us. But we would just stare at them and like barely say a word like, nope, fine, thanks. And they're like, they'd watch us and we'd be like, what are you doing here? But even at that young age, I re- remember feeling like we were in a bubble, like an egregore of this energy and thought world. And we, it's like, we barely saw each other. We were existing yeah. on this other plane that was very astral and it was very real. And you get to that place of energetic creation that is so powerful that it becomes more real than the real world. And I thought that I always retrospected that that was like really good magical training in a way, because the imagination is so powerful. It can literally overwrite our daily reality. Hmm. And I don't know, magic and and pen and paper, Dungeons and Dragons and role-playing and all those games really were sort of the same thing to me because in, you know, you can play a character that actually is struggling with things that you don't struggle with, but that relate or are analogous to things you struggle with. And in playing out that story and narrative, it's like a form of therapy. Yeah. It's powerful. Stuff. Yeah. I think a lot of, a lot of people uh, came from D and D into golden dawn, but I, yeah. I, I had friends who did D and D I never did D and D, but I always kind of wanted to, but then well, you were uh, watching stranger things. Girls. Uh, Pew was really curious about Stranger Things. I mean, about D and D because that was what they were playing in Stranger Things. And so I started buying. I was like, I'm gonna buy for both of us. I'm gonna buy some D and D stuff. But then, like, she eventually made me admit that I was just buying it for myself. <laughs> <laughs> never admit that. No, never admit to your wife that, that the gifts that are for her are actually for you, man. That's one hundred and one. You've been married before. You've been married before. You should know better. <laughs> now I'm getting a I'm I'm getting a chalice from Catholic Supply, and it's a, a gift for both of us. She's like, "Don't say it's a gift for both of us." But when I told her what it was, she she agreed that's a gift for both of us. The one that Jesus tried. Yeah. Oh man, I can't make to, wait to meet her. She sounds she sounds wonderful, and it sounds like you have a great life going on there in India. So yeah, it's going well. Touchwood, as they you. say here. Knockwood, as we say there. Jesus. <laughs> well, thanks, man. I guess this is the time to leave it. So um... I think I'm going to turn this into a two-parter. Uh, so, so you're welcome to do whatever you want with it. You can throw this all in one episode, but I'm going to split it in half and do keep people in suspense for a few days or a week or something. I have so many different names. You could even use a different name on each episode. Yeah, like uh, oh, you you don't mind your your proper name being used? 
Well, you know, you could do that or you could do like outer order motto for one, inner order motto for the other. Who knows? You could have so much fun with it. You could make up a D&D character name for a fictional version of myself for the second part. I think from a marketing strategist <laughs> point of view, I should I should find a good uh, pithy one-liner, you know, for each, uh, you know, that pe would pique people's interest. Um, and because uh, nobody's interested in Elwyn or Edward except for our friends and family, but uh, but the Dark Knight of the Soul for the first one maybe, and then the second one could be something else. I don't know. I'll think of it when I when I'm editing and post. <laughs> you know, let let follow your intuition. Follow your intuition. Mm. You know, um, yeah, that's that's all that matters, right? I mean, we're all just a bunch of clowns, sort of like dancing through this illusory realm that we call life in the world, right? And like, what's it really mean at the end of the day? Well, it, it yeah. just, it, to this day, to this day to me, it doesn't seem like it means anything more than we decide it means. Mm. So therefore, that doesn't mean it doesn't matter. In fact, it's the opposite. The fact that we get to co-create our reality means that what we choose is absolutely essential, crucial, just the most important thing that you could ever imagine mattering in our your reality is the decision of what this reality is going to mean to you in your lifetime like that's that's the whole deal right mm. it's total power make it matter otherwise you're just throwing it away right yeah it's like uh like thinking of the vault symbolism people get stuck in the ceiling they get stuck in the floor sometimes they get stuck in in the walls in between but when you mm. can embody the whole thing and you can go out the top and through into the light of Ein Sof, and you can go to, to be free to to move and to embody and to shape shift, like you said about the heroic dose. Um, that is that is, I think, a, a good a worthy uh, goal. Where getting stuck someplace is sometimes people think that's the goal, like happily ever after being stuck in the ceiling um, or stuck in some particular square depending on what they think happy means, you know? Yeah. Um, I've talked about that a lot, but, actually. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I thought, yeah, those are my thoughts on something. <laughs> All right, bro. I love you. Okay. I miss love you. Love you too. You're, you're, you're beautiful. And, oh, thank uh, you. Give my love to your, uh, your wife. Tell her I will come and harass you in India some days. Okay. <laughs> nice. All right. All right. All right, shall, good, uh, shall we invoke shall we invoke a little light before the end and i'll i'll say i'll say conks i'll say cabs um pecked conks um <laughs> rather than doing it in the we order can do it we can do it good. officers we can do it properly ready ready we'll just alternate check it out cabs um pecked conks um pecks light in extension. extension we did it all right oh, yeah. i should start doing that at the end of all my podcasts i think that would be <laughs> and the listeners can yeah. do it along it's powerful man that's like even jokingly it's powerful so yeah much love bro. all right much love talk soon have a good day bye you too bye. in this darkly splendid world i went to make my way one day through the dark night like a child I set out to find the one true way on the forest too damn long By the Abbey Agnes mountainside, woke up to the golden dawn And 
to tell this guy I learned to cry And when all the phantoms vanish and I see the formless fire As we dance within the moonlight naked in nature's empire In the vault of light I heard the whisperings of some god unknown Like a lover's gentle word I knew that it was time now to atone For the sweethearts that I wronged For the sorrows of Isis Who seeks for the kisses that belong Upon only one true lover's cheek And when all the phantoms vanish And I see the formless fire As we dance within the moonlight Naked in nature's empire darkness we must go to initiate all we can be my true will i must know open your eyes now and come with me for the sweat our body shares for the wine and bread your body is please my story no i care aphrodite goddess you're my bliss and when all the phantoms vanish and i see the formless fire as we dance within the moonlight, naked in nature's empire And old Enoch rose above, but he had not yet seen your face Now I'm trapped between your love, and the other side fills up with grace So let's dance into the night, round the fire of our passion's flame This truth we cannot fight, we cannot deny our lover's name And when all the phantoms vanish and I see the formless fire As we dance within the moonlight naked in nature's empire Hermetic Science Enterprises is a publishing company based in Scotland, UK, that specializes in Western esoteric printed literature, as well as educational videos. With various imprints under its belt, its roster consists of grimoire tradition literature, alchemical works, Golden Dawn tradition books, and the several texts and videos originally belonging to the philosophers of nature. 
Besides its downloadable videos and standard hardcover edition books, Hermetic Science Enterprises also produces beautiful and precious limited fine edition books that are true pieces of art. For more information to order any of its products, please visit www.hermeticscienceenterprises.co.uk That's hermeticscienceenterprises.co.uk And as a lot of you know, I've uh, talked with the publisher Lenny on the podcast before, including a six-hour epic uh, extended version on the Patreon, and uh, seen the fine edition of his new grimoire of Scott's Discovery of Witchcraft, which is only available for purchase up to 50 limited copies uh, till the end of May, I believe. So check it out now, hermeticscienceenterprises.co.uk.